What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 130 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am a certified G and a bona fide stud and you can't teach that. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he's seven foot tall and you can't teach that. Frank. There you go. How you doing? Great. How you doing? My camera is a little messed up. Your camera's a little messed up. Now That's it's okay, good. though. It's good now. It's yeah, good now. you look good. You look good, my son. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I shared some news with you. I'm good. Thank you for asking. I shared some news with you before the start of the show about how, of course, you, you knew this coming in because the news is about a half hour old now. Damian Lillard has been traded from the, or from the um, Portland Trailblazers to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks adding one of the best players in the NBA to join their team loaded with a ton of great players from the NBA. They are now, in my opinion, the best team in the National Basketball Association. That's one bit of news. The second bit of news is on Twitter.com about two seconds before we logged on, or some people call it X now, Elliot Friedman revealed that uh, Patrick Kane's agents have revealed a video of him skating. And he plans to be in the NHL within the next couple of weeks. Frank, these are two outstanding bits of sports news. And they're not the news I was most excited to share with you on the show. What is? The news that the Curter Burger is returning to Culver's in October is the news I was most looking forward to sharing with you. We are three great days away from the best month of the year by far listen i was born in december my girlfriend was born in august you were born in july my brother was born in april i have no family ties to october whatsoever but guess what it's the best month of the year and it's not close and the curter burger being back during that month just adds a little extra to it adds a little extra seasoning to the great month of october what are your thoughts you got to try it at least I never got to try it. You got boned out of trying it entirely? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, this is good. This is redemption. This is good. It might be all the better for you this year now. Yeah. Because, like, I know what to expect. I'm Listen, I'm pumped. You get that first-time excitement, though. It's like watching Avengers Infinity War for the first time ever. Or yeah. The Empire Strikes Back for the first time ever. But yep. What? That's awesome. Good for you, man. Everyone give Frankie a round of applause. He's trying a Curter Burger this year. Hell Joe yeah. says, I live five minutes away from a Culver's. This is troubling news. Culver's have popped up a little bit more in the last handful of years. There used to be really not one close to anywhere I lived. And then, yeah, Skokes, I remember, I'm pretty sure Skokes. We talked about it. He sent a picture of it to me on Twitter.com. It was known as Twitter.com back then. It wasn't. He tagged me yet. in it, too. Yeah, hell yeah. Let's go sure. Skokes. It's um, not worldwide or countrywide. No, 24 states is not a lot. I'm assuming it's big in the Midwest. I know yeah. the world's biggest Culver's. See, there's one reason I kind of hate Culver's. There's this huge sign on 90 as you start getting into Wisconsin on that side of the state. And world's biggest Culver's. Wow. Mike had Culver's today for Hey, what? <laughs> wow. Unreal timing. Wow. But you're passing, you're on 90. World's biggest Culver's. 
you pass the Culver's and it looks nothing different from your local Streamwood or Bartlett or uh, that kind of pissed me off. Don't tell me it's the world's biggest Culver's if it's not significantly bigger than the average location. That's just my thoughts on it. Kind of peed me off, but. You know, it is what it is, Frank. I'm excited about Patrick Kane. I'm excited about Damian Lillard being in our second closest NBA team. And I'm excited about the Carter Burger returning. That's devastating. Honestly, if so, for those listening, Skokes in the chat says he got finessed the first time, no curd on his burger. I'd be, I mean, I that's would. just a butter burger at that point. I'd, I'd go back. Yeah, I'd you have to. I didn't yeah. order a butter burger. I've had no. a butter burger a billion times. I would Not probably I... rather a burger from a lot of other places. Yeah, I mean, Culver's has a good plain burger. No too. curd on your burger. That's like it. that person should be fired. Yep. That should be like a federal offense. The FBI yeah. should get involved. Absolutely. Um, Frank, we have a lot to talk about today. And I'm feeling anxious. Oh, as soon as this show ends, which it's not going to end for two hours, I have to finish my piece on the Bucks getting Damian Lillard. I have to update the people at the Windy City about Patrick Kane and his status for this upcoming season. Um, the White Sox are losing as we speak, 3 nothing to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Bad news for the Chicago Cubs all over the place. Bad news for my Miami Marlins all over the place with the result of this stuff. But the show moves on. We talk about hockey with our Central Division preview in period number one. Welcome to period one. Frank, we are going to talk about the division in which your favorite team resides. The central division of the National Hockey League was the powerhouse division of the National Hockey League for a long time. Right now, you can make a clear claim that it is the worst division in the National Hockey League right now. But the three or four best teams in it are still very much Stanley Cup contenders. I think there's no doubt about that. I think what makes a division the best division or the worst division is not the teams at the top. The two or three best teams in every division have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. They're almost guaranteed a bid in the conference finals, unless a wild card team does some crazy business. Yeah. For the most part, every year, the final four is a Metropolitan, Atlantic, Central, and Pacific team. That's just the way the cookie crumbles with the way the alignment is. Um, but what makes a division the best or the worst kind of depends on the middle of the pack and bottom teams and the middle of the pack and bottom teams in the central division are not that great. In my opinion, we will discuss them starting right now with this team right here, the Minnesota wild Frank, same as the last couple shows where we've done division previews, the top players, some issues, some strength, your overall thoughts of the team leading off with the Minnesota wild. We're going out of alphabetical order again, huh? There are. We're going in the order I have written down for entertainment purposes. Oh, boy, VP. We got Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Boldy, Matt Zuccarello. All really great players, top players for the Minnesota Wild, right? Kaprizov's one of the best players in the NHL. Back-to-back 40 goal seasons. Matthew Boldy's on the rise. He had 31 goals last year. Um, And this team finished third in the Central Division last year, and they really looked like a powerhouse threat. That was until they ran into the Dallas Stars in the postseason and was only able to put together six goals in six games. Their offense kind of fluttered a little bit, but, you know, their strengths are that they cut some loose ends with some of their older players to make way for some of the younger studs, such as, such as Marco Rossi, Brock Faber, Matt Boldy, Kirill Kaprizov, some of those players I mentioned already, right? They lost a lot of players this offseason. Um, 
maybe some of the most actually in the entire league. I think they lost the most amount of players in terms of a quantity of any team in the league. But this means that they're making moves for their young core, starting to prove themselves a little more. And and we saw what they did last year in giving these guys an opportunity maybe may, will make them excel a lot more. Now, their weaknesses is, yeah, they got a ton of uh, – they have a bunch of young studs on their team, but they've struggled to score in the regular season. They managed to have the second lowest goals out of any of the 16 playoff teams. Um I don't mean in the playoffs. I mean going into the playoffs because I know they only they got eliminated in the first round, but not that in the regular season they had the second goal scored of any of the sixteen playoff teams that made the playoffs, and that hurt them in the postseason when they ended up only scoring six goals in that series against the Stars. Right? They have to find ways to put the puck in the net, and they didn't make any big moves this off season to acquire a goal score because I think in their mind they already have their goal scores for some of the players I mentioned already with Kaprizov. 40 goals, uh, Boldy, 31 goals. They have scoring capabilities, but they just can't. And they're banking on all these players, um, and they're banking on all the players that they let go will give some room for some of the younger guys to maybe start scoring a little more um, that the veterans weren't able to score. Um, But this is a lot of hoping and a lot of pressure on these kids in Minnesota. At this point, I'm just rambling on, but I think you get the point. I think, team, but I think that's good analysis of the Minnesota Wild. So when they uh, kind of cut ties with Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter, and they were going to take a cap hit for a couple years, you thought to yourself, okay, there's going to be at least one cap casualty of a good player because of this move. The Bill Guerin, the GM of the Minnesota Wild, is handcuffing himself on purpose for the next two or three years to set the team up to be a Stanley Cup contender by the mid to end 2020s. Yeah. Well, the first part happened, okay? They cut Parisi and Suter. Each had a couple of years left on their contract. Zach Parisi moves on to the New York Islanders, where he's been tremendous. Ryan Suter moves on to the Dallas Stars, where outside of a couple playoff games last year, he's been tremendous. And but tremendous on much cheaper deals. And, you know, I think Zach Parisi had the most goals per dollar last season. He was making like 750K to have 20 goals, 21. Um, He then all of a sudden they lose Fiala. Okay, there's your cap casualty. Kevin Fiala is one of the best players on the Los Angeles Kings. He's one of the best wingers in the NHL right now. Um, So they're a good team. But this cap issue kept them from being a great team. I think they could have beaten the Stars if they had Fiala. Not saying they would have. The Stars are great too. But the Minnesota Wild would be in that conversation with the Stars and with the Avalanche for the Central Division last year if they had Fiala. I truly believe adding a 90-point player to that team last year makes all the world a difference. Um, Well, so what are they going to do once the Parisian Suter thing is up after this season? Could they go for Leon Dreisaitl? Maybe they've been known to spend in free agency before. Can they, this is going to sound crazy. Can they try to make a push for Connor McDavid? You know, I don't think Connor McDavid's going to leave Edmonton, although he might, you know, do they try to, you know, have a two to three good years of Sidney Crosby? What about Steven Stamkos? I mean, there are all sorts of ways that the Minnesota wild can use this huge um, free or 
cap boost that they're going to get in the next handful of years with an already good young core in place. This is the last year they got to get through before they can really start to supplement the Caprizovs, the Boldies, the Rossies. I think that team's unreal. They have the best goalie prospect in the world. Jesper Wallstadt could be like a Vezina caliber goalie if he reaches his true potential. He has, you know, not established himself in the NHL yet. But I, I, I'm telling Minnesota Wild fans, they used to be a team I cheer for deeply. I still cheer for them hard. I would put them tied with the Blackhawks for my favorite team in the Central Division because um, everybody knows I'm a New Jersey Devils fan. But um, I, I have a soft spot for the Minnesota Wild. I always will. I almost always root for them no matter who they're playing. Um I get through this year, guys. Get through this year. Maybe have a good playoff run. Even if, you know, you lose in the first round, you have a young core developing. And, man, I think they could be really, really Stanley Cup good by 2025. Mm -hmm. They're good last year. They were good last year, and I think they're going to be good this year. Yeah. Um, do I think they're going to win the cup? No. Do I think they could win the cup? By Let's say if you had asked me gun to head, will the Minnesota wild have won the Stanley cup by 2030? I think I would say yes. I love what they are building inside of their farm and what they're doing. They're so good on paper now. And then all of a sudden you're going to hand them a free agent. That's worth eight. I just, I have a feeling in my bones that they are going to be a heavy player in a huge free agent in the next handful of years. So. Possible. Um, that's my analysis on the wild. Um, Frank, we can move on, scroll all the way to the bottom of your little sheet there where you will find the Jinnipeg wets, um, the Winnipeg jets, of course, um, lost in the first round to the Vegas golden Knights last season. Frank, I'll let you lead off again. Top players, issues, strengths. What are your thoughts on the team? I often call the Jinnipeg wets. Well, some of the players that stick out right off the bat, Kyle Connor. Josh Morrissey, Mark Shifley. You know, all these are type top players. The Winnipeg Jets got to squeak into the postseason last year, and then they got manhandled by the Vegas Golden Knights in five games, kind of what everybody was expecting. Um, they're coming into this year, though, down 118 points in terms of production. No Pierre-Luc Dubois, no Blake Wheeler. Um, those guys are actually going to be replaced by Alex Iafalo, Gabe Velarde, Rasmus Kapari, and they're probably not going to get exactly the production that um, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Blake Wheeler provided to this team, but you got to make do what you have. Those are great, three great players to replace uh, Wheeler and Dubois. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go to my strengths then. They have a decent defensive core that can make things easier for the guys like Connor and Nikolai Ehlers to maybe do some damage, right? The Winnipeg Jets were the seventh best team in terms of goals against. And a lot of that could be due to the fact that they have Hellebuck and the future as a as him as a Jet is grim. But, you know, some of that credit's got to be given to the Winnipeg Jets defense. Who, they got a tremendous defense. Um, their defense this year doesn't look a whole lot different than it was last year, which is good for them because it was great last year. It was a top 10 defense, top 7 defense in the NHL, and that can prove to be great news for them this year. Um, but the bad news is, if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan, and their weaknesses is – the future on Hellebuck and Shifley are very slim. You know, once you lose them, it now becomes a full on rebuild and you're forced to take a step back. And I think they're going to be forced to take, take a step back no matter what, if this team is going to succeed, change needs to happen um, by the 2024 off season. 
um, if that's getting rid of Hellebuck and Shifley and Kyle Connor. I don't know if they would do that, but change needs to happen. You got to take a, a step back before you can take two steps forward, right? And this Jets team, I feel like, is going to look a whole lot different when we're previewing them going into next season. I think you could argue that over the last 10 years, you have to include all 10 of them and not not the best team of the last 10 years, the the duration of the time. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs might be the only Canadian team that was technically better than the Winnipeg Jets. Now, the best Oilers team of the last 10 years is probably better than the last the best Jets team of the last mm-hmm. 10 years. But the, the overall body of work, the Winnipeg Jets have been awesome. They had a run to the conference finals, a couple second round appearances. They just didn't win the Stanley Cup. That's basically all this core in Winnipeg didn't do. Yeah, and you know who knows what happens if Vegas doesn't come in guns a blazing in twenty seven eighteen. That was the Jets' best chance. They were elite that year, and they lost to Vegas in the conference finals. And Vegas, they didn't have an easy time against them either. Time, kind of funny. Vegas's two trips to the final both went through Winnipeg. Um, and Winnipeg, you said they steamrolled them. They did in terms of games. But remember that game where Winnipeg, the game one, they claw or game three, it might have been the series was tied at one. Mm-hmm. And then the Jets climbed all the way back only to lose in overtime. They came, they had like a three goal comeback and then they lost in overtime. If someone for the Jets finds a way to pot one there in overtime and they take a two to one series lead, the entire landscape of the playoffs could have changed. You know how momentum shifts yeah. in series and stuff. And Vegas found a way to win that game and they rallied and they ended up going all the way to win the Stanley Cup. And they're a pest. They've been a pesky team for the last 10 years. I think of the San Jose Sharks. They were so good for a decade. The Sharks are probably like the fifth or sixth best team since we started watching hockey. If you like add up all the years record wise, there's no way the Sharks aren't all the way up there. And they just, the only thing they didn't do was win the cup. They had a final appearance. They had all these great players, Thornton, Marlowe, Ertle, Couture, Meyer, you know, all these great players. Yeah. And then they made it, it to the cup, didn't they? Yeah. They made it to the cup, which Against Winnipeg didn't. Yeah. Which the the Jets didn't, but they came damn close. Listen, sometimes you just, you're so, it's so hard to win the Stanley Cup. Not every great core does. And the, it's time for the Jets to kind of reset, I think. I think they're going to be a lot like Philly last year, where they're pesky. They're kind of hard to play against. They might win a couple annoying games early. The Devils got smoked by Philly in the first game of the season last year. People forget that. The Devils went on to have the third best record. The Flyers went on to have the seventh worst record. Like, you know, I I see that kind of thing happening for the Jets. They might be hovering around the bubble by Thanksgiving and then by Christmas or New Year. I just kind of see them running out of gas. And they were debating on spitting chiclets this uh, last episode, last week. Um would they have been smarter to trade Shifley and Hellebuck over the offseason? And at first I was like, yeah, they would have. A team would pay more for more time of those guys. But then RA brought up a point that I'm kind of – I think I'm down with. I think I changed my opinion and I flipped. Teams become desperate by the trade deadline. The Bruins might give up way more for Shifley at the trade deadline than they would have over the summer. Mm -hmm. If they look like they could win the cup and they're just missing a number one center. Or if the Devils have the second best record in the Metro, but their team save percentage is 903. 
they might give up more than they need for two for Hellebuck. So, you know, I, I do think teams get a little desperate around the trade deadline. They're throwing firsts all over the place. <laughs> the Winnipeg Jets, if they play this season smart, they, they can get a lot out of it, despite maybe not making the playoffs. Yeah, I I kind of agree with that. Um, I think it is smarter to wait till the trade deadline. Yeah, I, I, think I so don't too. think I I don't even think I would even consider it'd be smarter to trade them before the season started. Well, my my logic at first was like you get more time. The you only get the full thing, year, right? And the only thing you do is what if they're really bad or they get injured during the year. Yeah. Then you're screwed. Then yeah. there, there's no value. Yeah, there's a little risk. I don't think it's so cut and dry that it's the trade if deadline. If Shifley comes to the trade deadline with two goals and 13 assists, <laughs> yeah, I don't I know. Agree. That's the I only agree. risk you take. Yeah. But if you're so confident in some of these top guys that that's just not going to happen, then you just wait to the trade deadline. And if if it does happen, that's just bad luck, and that's how your season's gone. But, yeah, yeah. I like that. Wait to the trade deadline. 100%. Now, for the Devils, like, trading for Hellebuck or the Kings or whatever team that wants Hellebuck, it's a little different for the goalie. You, you stand in and you stop the puck. You do what you do. You stop the puck. Shifley joining the Bruins after being on the Jets for 10 years in January or February, that's tough. Systems are a real thing. The certain way people play, like, you don't know where Pasta's going to stand as opposed to when you had Connor on your wing. Like, thing, things are different. That's a risk you're willing to take, though. It's worked for teams. It hasn't worked for teams. Yeah. Um, we saw how good Barbashev was for Vegas in the postseason after oh, yeah. playing for the Blues. Like, those stories exist. And then there are stories like, you know, where Patrick Kane, he goes to the Rangers. It takes some time. Like, it, you know, it is what it is. I'm excited to watch the Jets play, though, especially early in the season. I love their uh, – we'll get to that in a in the second period, but Frank will move on to the team from honky tonk. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. I try so hard. The Nashville predators. I'll lead off on this one. The Nashville predators kind of disappointed me a little bit last season. I came into last year kind of thinking, okay, this Nashville team, they got Duchesne and Johansson and Yossi and Soros. How many teams with a top five defenseman and a top six goalie are as mediocre as the Predators were last year, but they could not score. This year they add Ryan O'Reilly, Duchesne, and Johansson have moved on. Um, I still think they're a pretty good team. I just don't necessarily think they're a great team. My issues for them are still very much scoring. Um, we'll see how often they're able to fill the net this season. Um, a strength for them is obviously defense and goaltending. They're a defenseman factory. They always pump out good defensemen. Their captain, Roman Yossi, is one of the greatest defensemen in the NHL right now. He's also probably the most handsome player in the NHL or amongst the most handsome in the NHL. And I think Saros is elite. He's There are six super elite goalies in the NHL right now. Saros is one of them. There are a lot of really good goalies. There's more than six good goalies. I think there are six super elite goalies in the NHL right now. He's one of them. Um, that gives the Predators a chance every single night. I just don't think the scoring is necessarily going to be good enough for them as they progress through this season upcoming. So 
you know, obviously excited to watch the Predators. It's a fun atmosphere, even when you're watching on TV. Nashville is one of my favorite cities I've ever been to. Um, I hope they're good. I'm just not positive they're going to be like super good. They'll be pesky mm-hmm. for me. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, another thing about the Nashville Predators that I don't know if a lot of people realize, but they've been taken over by uh, former coach Barry Trotz. Um, and fun fact, Barry Trotz was actually the first head coach in the history of the Nashville Predators. So that just shows you how long he's been around. Um, he, they bought out Matthew Shane's contract and retained a portion of Ryan Johansson's salary, dealt him to Colorado. So with the money that Trotz saved in those two transactions, he went out and got Ryan O'Reilly, uh, Nyquist, Gurionov, and Shen. So that'll help. Those four will help uh, some of the pieces they lost. And I agree with you. I think their biggest strength is UC Soros. When Soros is playing at his top level, he's one of the best goalies in the NHL. Uh, and, and definitely the division as well. Um, they also have Roman Yossi, who was robbed of a Norris, Cop- uh, Norris Trophy a couple years ago, but that's a story for a different day. Uh, that's, uh, that's also going to help out the Nashville Predators a ton. Right, their weakness. I kind of have different weaknesses um, than you, and that's the uncertainty of the head coaching position in Nash- Nashville with Andrew Burnett. Um, it will be interesting to see how he fares as a head coach with this group of Predators. The last time he coached in the NHL was for the Florida Panthers, and he brought them to the President's Trophy. Right? I don't necessarily see that happening again, but anything can happen with this group. In all honesty, it all depends on how the coaching situation goes and how things fare. Um, he, from what we saw in a small sample size of the head coach, and that's all we really have to base it on is he, he's a great coach for the one season we saw him. So, I mean, there's still a lot of talent on this team, a lot of uncertainty on how he's going to coach. Every team's different and, uh, the players are the different than what he coached in, in Florida. But, um, I, I could see big things for this predators team this year, if everything goes the right way. I actually really like that point you made about Barry Trotz taking over Stanley Cup champion head coach with the Washington Capitals in 2018. Um, He was the first coach in Nashville Predators history. Obviously, they have moved on from David Boyle. Um, It was not a firing or anything like that. David Boyle just up there in age and he retired and he's done. Um, You know, the first captain in Nashville Predators history was. No, I have a guess, but. Go ahead. It's it's a dumb guess because he wasn't there in the 90, 1999. Who? Mike Fisher. No, 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 no. Mike Fisher. Mike Fisher was after yeah. Jay Weber even. Yeah. So um, I... it was New Jersey Devils general manager Tom Fitzgerald. Wow. Which is really cool because you might remember at the draft in round seven, Poyle made one final trade in his NHL career and it was swapping seventh round picks with the New Jersey Devils. It was kind of a formality like, hey, he can have one final trade and it's with his, you know, the first captain in Predators history. Just a cool moment in Nashville. Um, A lot of history for a team that is relatively young compared to the rest of the league. Yeah, they're, they're not Vegas or Seattle. But, you know, Nashville has been a great franchise, kind of similar to what we talked about with the Jets. Awesome core for all this time. And the only thing they didn't do was win the cup. And they came damn close in 20, uh, 2017. Yeah, 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 yeah. The year they swept the Hawks. Yeah, they swept the Hawks, went all the way to the final. I mean, that defensive core, that was like peak Subban with Yossi, um, at home and Ellis. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best top fours I've ever seen. I don't think there's a top four that good right now in the NHL. 
I, I, I'm, I'm struggling here to think of a top four. Yeah. I mean, Carolina is up there. Calgary is up there. Um, I really like the Devils top four, but it's not that. You know, the, the who, Tampa. No, I, I'm struggling here. That is one of the best top fours I've ever seen on a team. And Crosby and Malkin were just like, nope. So when you think of the Nashville Predators, because you brought this up, like they're not they're a newer team, but they're not like old old. No, they're like I think their year matches the did, year matches their age. Well, did you want like it's crazy to think about like they play as a team. The Nashville Predators played their first game after I was born, so I'm technically older than when they played their first game. Yeah, that's crazy. They played their first game. Um, in the later half of 1998, after the summer of when I was born, that's kind of crazy to think about. That is crazy to think about. Because so like, like, like of, of course I'm older than them, but like you're a little younger than me, so yeah. Wow. And I'm technically still older than them. Yeah. Pretty I mean, the the idea of the Nashville Predators were brought up in 1997, so like they're older than me in that sense, but they never officially came into the league and played until the latter portion of 1998, which is crazy to think about because when I think of the Nashville Predators, I'm like, wow, they're, they've been around a very long time, but I've been around longer. <laughs> yeah. They, they, it feels like they've been around a long time because they're successful. Yeah, It's a well-ran organization. All they haven't done is win the cup. And, and again, that's really hard. And I like that what Barry Trotz did his first year as a general manager, he went out and made some big moves. This dude's retaining salary and portions and doing everything he can. And we'll see if that benefits them. And I think it could. I, I got high hopes for the Predators this year. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, I have higher hopes for them in the long term with Barry Trotz running the show. Um, I, I think that's the perfect hire for them. He's got history with the organization. Um, listen, dude, Nashville's the real deal in terms of like a place. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's this sick strip of just bars and restaurants and food and drinks and music. There's a live band. There's a live band playing in every single Nashville bar right now. That's why you call it Nash Vegas. Nash Vegas. It's like it's Vegas unreal. of music. But the Bridgestone Arena is right at the end of it. So, like, you go to the game, you watch the game. Hopefully the Predators win. Then you hit the honky tonk for the night. I mean, it's just incredible. If you like sports and music and food and drinks and fun, Nashville, baby. I'm telling you, yeah, I can't wait to go back. Um, now we're going to go to a city significantly more boring than Nashville. Um, looking at the list, I haven't been to all these cities. I've been to a handful of them. Um, out of the ones I've been to and just from watching on TV and doing my research as a American interested in other cities around the world, um, St. Louis is boring as shit. <laughs> there, and I'm not saying that as I don't hate St. Louis. I have no reason. I'm not a Blackhawks. I like the Blackhawks, but they're not my number one team. So I am far from a Blues hater. I like the Blues. Um, I'm not a Cubs fan, so I'm far from a Cardinals hater. I like the Cardinals. The White Sox and Cardinals kind of have like a little friendship. Um, for some people, um, they don't have a. The Rams moved to Los Angeles. Um, and they don't have an NBA team. I have no quarrels with the city of St. Louis whatsoever. So me saying this is just the truth. It's shit, he's boring as shit. They, it's dead. It's cool. It's visually yeah. cool. There's nothing going on. Every restaurant's empty. Every All the streets are empty. It's not like Chicago or New York 
where like there's like a a vibe in the air. It's just quiet. St. Louis is quiet. Yeah. And you know, that doesn't impact the hockey team, the St. Louis Blues, who have also been one of the very best teams in the NHL for the last decade or so. Um, it came to a head in 2019 when they did win the Stanley Cup. Uh, last year, they failed to qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time in a long time. Um, Frank, the St. Louis Blues, top players, issues, strengths. You know, Jordan Cairo, Braden Chen, Pavel Buchnevich, all players, great players for the St. Louis Blues. Right. Unfortunately, last year, the Blues started out so poorly, so poorly to start the season. They the Blues lost eight out of 11 and they were all regulation losses. And in only an 82 game season, and I say only 82 because like you look at the MLB, if you lost eight of your first 11 in the MLB, it's like, all right, you still got a chance. But in the NHL, chasing points and we discuss this every year is so hard. And they lost eight out of eleven in regulation. They were three and eight after eleven games. And then finally, from late January to late February, that's crunch time. The Blues only won three game and lost the three games and lost eleven. So when you lose that many games at the tail end of the season, it it's just it puts a halt to your playoff hopes. It's just there's no no other way to say it. It was a miserable 2022-2023 season after finishing third in the Central Division the previous year with 109 points. They beat the Wild in the first round. The, the wheels fell off. The wagon, the train, the, the was derailed. It was terrible. It was an absolute disappointment of a season, right? If you want to look at some bright spots, they have a decent amount of veterans on this team. If they were for some reason – to make a push for the postseason, guys started clicking, right? They may be get, able to get something done, win around with their experience, right? They also added Kevin Hayes, which will be more experience, and it'll boost their top six a little bit for sure. They also have Jacob Verana, who was lights out as a St. Louis Blues in the small 20-game sample size that we saw him in. In 20 games as a Blues, he had 10 goals, 4 assists. I mean, I'd sign up for that. That's great for 20 games. Um, so that'll help a little bit. The biggest weakness, and this is just what kills them. This is why I think the Blues kind of stink. This team's so slow. They are one of the slowest teams in the NHL. And speed speed plays a key role in a lot of team success, right? Five of the six defensive players on the St. Louis Blues are all between the ages of 30 and 33, they can't move as well as they used to. This team's get constantly being beat on the back end when McDavid turns on the Jets and weaves in and out of the defenders, and McDavid's already at the opposing blue line, and they're still at the center faceoff line. It's just embarrassing. They're so slow. And I honestly, I think they got to move on from Jordan Bennington as well. I mean, I was kind of, you know, I was high up on him. For a little bit, and I kind of gave him the benefit of the doubts, but kind of like Justin Fields, I'm, I'm kind of out on Bennington. You know, ever since the Blues won the Cup with him in 2019, his stats have got progressively worse. He had a career yeah. worse 331 goals against average and an 891 save percentage. I mean, something needs to change here, and I don't even know who their backup is. Joel Hoffer? Who? Excuse me? Yeah, they let, they let Billy Huso go. Excuse me? This team's a disgrace. Yeah, the St. Louis Blues kind of stink. Um, I don't think they're going to be very good at all. I think they're right there with 
Nashville and Winnipeg, like just average medium teams. Yeah, it's uh, like I really don't know what to make of them. I could see Nashville, St. Louis, and Winnipeg all claiming that like fourth spot and being a wild card team. I could also see all three of them missing and giving the Pacific five playoff teams. Like I really could see that being a possibility this year. Um, I just I'm not in love with what they've done. Um, obviously they won the Stanley cup a couple years ago and they're still kind of feeling the, you know, issues with that. Um, I, I'm not high on them this year. I think Robert Thomas is unreal and seeing him and Falk wearing A's this year, I think, um, and, uh, Braden Chen is an outstanding captain. I loved that selection for them. They're going to be a respectable team. They're going to be hard to play against. I I thought Bennington, Bennington was good the year after they won the Stanley cup. Um, it ended up being the COVID shortened season, and then they went to the bubble. Um, other than that, he's basically been a muffin. It makes it not way easier to like say that knowing he's a complete asshole. He's one of the biggest douchers in the NHL. He tries to fight everyone, and then he hides behind the referees. I mean, he's a jerk just in general. A lot of people don't like Jordan Bennington, the person. Um, I'm not surprised. Um, so it makes me happy to see that he kind of stinks now, and hopefully the Blues find a way to get a new goaltender sometime they're soon. God, they're just so old. Yeah, they're and things slow. things started to fall off the wagon when you know they they lost Petrangelo. Yeah, their defense is really old. Yeah, Tory Krug is hurt already. Uh, Brandon Sod isn't the same Brandon Sod. He's still a good player, but. I don't know, man. Let's bring back Ken Hitchcock. Make him even older. Make it even worse. Those Hitchcock Blues, though, they didn't win the cup. But they, they were good. They were good. But towards the end of Hitchcock's coaching career. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Good. I'm pretty sure Zach Parisi literally got Hitchcock fired because he had that amazing series against them. You might remember. You know, he scored the shorthanded goal while we were in church <laughs> for our cousin's baptism. And then, you know, I was listening to it on AirPods because, you know, me. Um, but, yeah, that was that was insane. Um, but the St. Louis Blues, I, I'm not I'm not sure about them. I'm kind of out of Winnipeg and Nashville. They might be the worst of the three. And I know Winnipeg might trade off some pieces and end with a worse record. But, like, as we stand right now looking at the rosters, I think the Blues are the worst of the three. They might be. I think the Winnipeg has more talent up front yeah. than the than the St. Louis Blues. Yes, and they have Hellebucks. I hate how old their defense is. The Blues? They're so old. Yeah. I can't get over that. No, I know. Five of their six are between 30 and 33. Yeah. They can't move. Yeah. They look like John Isner trying to move around a tennis court, <laughs> and he and can't. If you have two of those guys, it's fine. But a majority of your D – like percent. I'm I'm thinking about tomorrow night. The Blackhawks are going to host them, and we'll get to that, of course. And you're not going to watch it, of course. Um, <laughs> which I just straight up don't believe. Um, I can't wait to watch Connor Bedard walk that team. Regular season or preseason. Regular season or preseason. You, you skip all the fluff in the middle, and you you get to the highlights. You're a muffin if you don't watch Connor Bedard's first game in a Blackhawks no sweater. Yeah, regular season I will. You are not going to watch any of it? Tomorrow? No, yeah. I, no, I won't have time. You're a crazy boy. 
crazy boy. I can't wait. Oh my god, and the Devils play the Rangers. Woo! Tomorrow night's gonna be awesome. I can't get excited for a game that means nothing. I'm not worried about results. It's not a results-based excitement. It doesn't it's, even go up to the player's stats. I know. Yay, Bedard had a hat trick. No, no, it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about watching watching a star develop. You know, it's like it's important for Bedard. That I yeah. that I won't hear an argument. On. Oh no, I'm not. It's important for the team. It's, it's a, yes, and it ain't I love important as a fan. That's part of the story, to me. When Bedard is a 700 goal scorer, and he's going to the Hall of Fame, and the Hawks have won two cups, and he's got two rockets, a Hart Trophy, you know, maybe one scoring title. You know, I don't know how much playing in the same league as Connor McDavid, Jack Hughes will impact his trophy winning. I'm sure he'll get a couple. Everyone will get, you know, everyone will have their cake and eat it too. I hope because I'm a hockey fan first. Um, you're going to say, I missed his first preseason game because I was an asshole. <laughs> I watched his first Pre-season's preseason game. like having a salad before dinner. When he scores, you don't have to go, the Hawks <laughs> are back. We're beating the Blues. <laughs> No, it's like, hey, Connor Bedard, he's looking good out there. He made a pass to Taylor Hall at practice yesterday. I'd rather watch practice go. than preseason. The I think I would too. Great. I think I would too. Yeah. And the prospect challenge, I love, but like, oh, there's an ad for it right now in this White Sox game. There's a kid slugging down a hot dog while they're showing highlights of last season. Uh, with the preseason, oh yeah, the St. Louis Blues—they are not looking forward to tomorrow. There's no way they are. There's no way they are. Um, See, preseason means like a salad before dinner. It's okay. People like it. Wait, but, I love that comparison. But I, but I want the entree. I know. I'm not arguing that I, it's not I better. This. I don't want. I'm not saying it's better. I, I, I wouldn't have the salad before dinner. I'm saving my appetite for the real thing. Like I could take it or leave the salad. I get what you're saying. I think there are instances where like it's good. It's it's healthy for you. Salad's good for you, right? It's good for the players. It's good, but I I could take it or leave. I understand. I'm just excited with it being his first, but we'll get to them in a minute, Frank. Let's go with the boom boom Dallas stars Dallas. Yes, I'm gonna sing a song for every single. Um, I haven't sung a song for every single one, but Frank, the Dallas Stars, they came up just short last season, man. They are one of the best teams in the NHL. I have never, in all my years watching sports, let alone hockey, seen a team pass the torch from veterans to kids more than the Dallas Stars. You think of the Dallas Stars in 2016, 17, I'm thinking Tyler Sagan. I'm thinking Jamie Benn. Okay. I'm thinking Klingberg who they have since moved on from. Um, you might remember their goalie tandem of Anton Hudobin, Antti Niemi. Um, you know, they had Ben Bishop for a year. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, there have been some good players on the Dallas Stars. I'll never forget when they traded um, Yager to the Bruins, and then one year later they traded Louis Erickson and Riley Smith to the Bruins for Sagan. Um, ben won the scoring title. I mean, they were the cream of the crop, those players with Dallas. Yep. And they're making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But the Dallas Stars revamped their whole system and pushed those guys to third and fourth line roles 
and they bring in Rupe Hints. And oh, here comes Jason Robertson, Amiro Heiskanen, superstars, um, Ottinger. Oh, yeah, the first three picks for the Dallas Stars in the 2017 entry draft were Heiskanen, Ottinger, Robertson. They rebuilt their whole team in one draft. Yeah. 35 picks in. 35 picks into the draft, the Dallas Stars have their three best players three years, four years, five years later. I mean, I am just – that's one of the best hauls I think a team ever got in one yeah. draft, let alone – not even the whole draft. Every – the first three – the first two rounds. And they made that trade with the Hawks to move up and get Ottinger. I mean, they, they – and I'm naming their top players, just telling you how they got them. They are unreal. I don't think there's any really debate that they are just loaded from top to bottom. Um, their biggest issues – are the fact that they play in a really good conference and they have to figure out a way to beat Colorado and then they have to figure out a way to beat Vegas and then they have to figure out a way to beat the Kings or the Oilers. You know, sometimes these series stack up and you have to be at your best for all of them. That's the challenge for the Dallas Stars and every team in the West, really, and the East. I know, you know, it's pretty much the same everywhere, but there's no reason this team can't win the Stanley Cup this year. If they don't, it will be because a team that is equal to them on paper had a slightly better series. That's how I feel about the Dallas Stars. You know, I strongly believe that Jason Robertson is well, – we went over our top uh, left wingers. I don't know where I had him. I think I had him two, or I, or I might have had him one. I think he's right there as one of the best in the league. I don't know if you saw the NHL left wing ratings came out. He got a 92 overall. I think he's – the second or third highest rated left wing in the game. He's unreal. He's only getting better year after year. He had 109 points last year. He had 46 goals, VP. This Dallas Stars team's a true cup contender, oh, yeah. and they and they only got more deep. We didn't even touch on Matt Duchesne, who's a 20-goal scorer and 50-6-point to six point player, and nobody jumps head over heels at Matt Duchesne because he's been stinky lately, but that's because his numbers dropped last season compared to the year prior prior because the Nashville Predators kind of stunk. They had a down year. And I think coming to the Dallas Stars and playing with this great elite core of players, his production's only going to go up and make this team even better. Right? They got an elite player at every position. It's like they're not quite Hall of Fame players like we could say about the Tampa Bay Lightning, but they got Jason Robertson. Like you said, they got Miro Heiskanen on defense. They got uh, Jake Ottinger in the goaltending department, right? They don't really have a lot of holes anywhere on this team. And, you know, no team is perfect. So I kind of look at like what could be one of their weaknesses. And I came up with, they don't have a ton of cap space left over. I think cap space is their biggest issue. Not that they're going out to make a big move really with this core. Um, So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, if you run into some injuries or, you know, problems where you need to make some moves, then they would kind of have to shed a little bit of depth that they have. Um, because they don't have a ton of cap space left, uh, which right now I don't think that's a big problem. I don't see a lot of problems or weaknesses with this team, but if there was one, that would be one I'd have to to choose for the Dallas Stars. I can't wait to see what they do, um, and uh, they're one of my favorites to win the Cup this year. Yeah, me too. Their biggest issue is Tyler Sagan. $10 million, it's 9.8 uh, for four more years. He's yeah, got to be, be like a factor. And listen, it's Tyler Sagan. He was the number two pick. And if that draft were redone, 
a lot of people would debate Taylor Hall versus Tyler Sagan again. The Taylor versus Tyler debate is still ongoing. It's been freaking 13 years. Taylor won the Hart Trophy. Um, before he got to the Devils, I think people would lean Sagan. but And I think people would probably lean Hall right now. But, I mean, it's close. They both had outstanding careers. But they need more from Tyler Sagan. That mm-hmm. could be the difference. Um, I, there's no way they could trade him. Right, I'm looking at, you know, they would have to retain. Mm-hmm. I just don't see a team taking him on even at 50% for the next four years. I just don't. Um, so he's going to need to play better. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to make any trade deadline acquisitions this year. Um, Essa Lindell is a good defenseman. I like Ryan Suter there at three mil. Um, Hawk and Paw is a good player. Um, Wedgwood was, should be an outstanding backup. He was last year. Um, but having Joe Pavelski for one more year, that's obviously huge. Um, you know, 39 years old, he's one of the best puck tippers I've ever seen. Um, outside chance at the Hall of Fame for Pavelski. Yeah. Um, I honestly believe that. Um, did they have did they have Dadnov last year? Yeah. Um, oh, and Frank, you didn't even mention possibly the biggest X Factor. Like I called Sagan an X Factor. Jamie Ben. Well, him too. Those two are like they make a well, lot of money. He improved last year. Yeah, Jamie Ben had a bounce back year, and he's the captain. Dickhead in the playoffs needs to clean that up. <laughs> uh, you know, what did he get suspended for three yeah. games? And yeah, yeah, that was tough. And they still almost came back. Um, they need more from them. They could be an X factor, but I think the true, most realistic X factor is the kid. This Wyatt Johnson. Yeah. Oh my. God, he could be a 25-30 goal scorer. Yeah. He is so good. And when he was drafted, I was like, hell yeah, the Dallas Stars got a really good player because we saw him in college, and he he was really, really good. I just think that that their, their top nine is just like this formula of veteran and young people. I mean, Robertson's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. So is Heiskanen. Oh, yeah. You know, that doesn't mean they'll make it. I have a high a – high, need for the hall of fame i guess i i recommend a lot for my personal opinion um and those two certainly are uh it it's hard to pick a defenseman in the nhl heiskanen's in the top 10 yeah yeah and, absolutely you know he's not as flashy as kale mccarr or luke hughes or you know some of the other young defensemen that people like to hype up but he's basically he's pretty close to what i remember drew dowdy being Back in the day, Drew Doughty never had 20 goals or, you know, 50 assists, but he was just the best all around defenseman, not named Duncan Keith in the NHL. And I feel that way about Heiskanen. So Dallas Stars. on my type top list of defensemen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Frank, we are going to stay in the south, but move a little west to the newest addition to the central division. Only a couple years in. Coming at you from the Mullet Arena this year is the Arizona Coyotes. I have a lot of faith in the Yotes this season. Competitively bad. Maybe yeah. even a little better than competitively bad this season. Yeah, I we'll think see. I think the world of Logan Cooley. I think the world of Keller. Um, I could see Cooley getting having a 70, 60, 70 point rookie season. I think Keller gets 90 minimum after his breakout season last year. And he came back from an injury that people just don't come back from. Um, and they were really good at home last year. They owned the mullet arena, owned it. And they're going to play there again. Their weakness is that they don't have a ton of depth. 
don't love the depth on their team, and they're very young. Even they're good player, they're really good players. Um, Keller will be another year better, but Cooley's a rookie. I like Schmaltz. Um, it'll be interesting to see what those guys do, but I don't know. I'm I'm kind of high on the Arizona Coyotes coming into this year. Um, didn't love their draft, but then again, they could prove me wrong. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, you're a Coyote hater. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't hate. I, I mean, indifferent about them. Um, the Arizona Coyotes, they were so good at home, and I don't know if that could have been a, a lot of hype. Like we're playing in a college arena, people are giving sh- giving us shit for it, so we're gonna go make the most out of it and embrace it. And that might be dead this year. They might be like, all right, now it's getting kind of old. Like we get it. You're playing in a college they arena with five, with five thousand fans. Like, okay, we don't have that same drive this year, right? But you know, they have a ton of young talent to look forward to. You mentioned Logan Cooley. He'll start to make his name a name for himself in Arizona. They added Matt Dumba and Sean Dursey to the defensive core. They also have a ton of draft picks that they've been building up, and they could keep on building. And it's like we're almost at that time where we're going to do the flip, where uh, in a few years we're going to see the teams that have been bad recently are going to be really good, and the teams that have been decently good are going to be rebuilding, right? Like the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins, like that. The, the flip is coming in the next few years. And the teams that kind of been in the middle, like the Devils, will still be good when that time comes, right? Because they're just starting to get good. So you got those middle uh, middle place teams right in there as well. Um, but the the weakness is, I don't think they have the talent this season to leapfrog over anyone really in the Central Division and make that huge jump. Like we're here, we're going to make the playoffs, we're going to make this jump, right? This team's very, very young, just like the Blackhawks. I do think the Coyotes will be better than the Blackhawks, but they just they're they're too young still. Um, they finished second to last in the Central Division last year, and there's really no room for them in the Central Division to make a step up and really take advantage yet. Um, that's their that's their weakness, right? But um, like I said, their their strengths they they got a tremendous young talent. They're they're constantly building. They're constantly getting better. And we're a few years away from the flip. And when that co- time comes, Logan Cooley will fully be an Arizona Coyote. His name will be set in their um, their record books, I'm sure. So the the Arizona Coyotes got a long way to go. But I agree with you. I do think they'll be one of those competitively bad teams that'll give teams problems, but they just don't have what it takes to take that next step yet in the central division. Yay or nay on, um, Cochina jerseys. I like them. I like them too. I feel like you either like them or hate them. They're, I like them. Um, there was another question. Oh, did you see Logan Cooley's goal in Australia? They're, uh, they were in the Australia playing the Kings. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nasty. Yeah. He's a nasty, dirty boy. Yeah. He's going to be a naughty fella for a long time. Um, I really like Gunther. You might remember the World Juniors when Gunther dominated with Bedard. I mean, those two were just a dynamic duo. Mm-hmm. Um, now Gunther's going to – he'll downgrade to Logan Cooley, but Logan Cooley will be really good for him. I can't wait to see how Keller plays with them as well on either wing. I think I think a Keller-Cooley-Gunther line – would just be unreal. I like the addition of Jason Zucker for some veteran presence. Yeah. Um, Schmaltz is there for a handful of more years, at least on contract. And then Victor Soderstrom. 
their 22 year old defenseman has one year left on his entry level. Um, I'm thinking he could be a really good defenseman too. I'm not necessarily sure he'll get into that like top 10 echelon, but he could be like a top 30 defenseman in the NHL or a top 50 defenseman in the NHL. I think the Coyotes would sign up for that any day of the week with some of the young core that they're building. I do think they're going to be better than the blues, possibly even the jets. I like, I don't, I don't, and it'll all depend on what the jets do and how they proceed. Same thing with Nashville. I, I'm not, predicting that per se i just think it's possible um you know what i mean i i just those three teams are just so bland to me and there's nothing bland about the coyotes they're fresh i feel a fresh vibe from them they're young they're cool they have cool people on their team i'm just i'm pumped about them we didn't mention vimelka either which I don't i'm not all in but he's only had shit in front of him his yeah. entire career Sometimes um, it messes with you, though, man. I know, but... That, remember, that, that's career-changing. Remember Aiden Hill, though? Just like we said, if Patrick Mahomes came to the Bears, he wouldn't be the same Patrick Mahomes, I don't think. Now he would. You think now? Yeah. No, I'm saying if he was drafted. No, no. That's what I mean. No. And I and I think, because it, it would have messed with him, he wouldn't develop yeah. the same. And You're I right. think that's with Vimelka as well. I think this kid's not going to get to his full potential because of the shit that was put in front of him. Well, I hope he ends up more like Aiden Hill than other Coyotes goaltenders of the past. Yeah. Uh, Hey, and the Coyotes didn't mess up Wedgwood either. Maybe the Coyotes are the exception. They're the team that you could go play stinky goalie for a long time and still be good when you leave. Yeah, but not for them. (laughs) No, not for them. Uh, Hopefully someone bucks the trend soon. (laughs) Um, Frank? The team that has probably been the cream of the crop over the last handful of years, they are on a back-to-back streak of winning the division. Uh, they pulled it out on the last day of the season last year, you might remember, because um, it was very contentious at the top between the top three teams last year. Of course, the Colorado Avalanche. They were upset, one of the biggest upsets of the playoffs last year, by the Seattle Kraken in the first round. Um, the defending Stanley Cup champions were defeated by an expansion team in the playoffs for their second season, but they come into this year on almost every website. They are the betting odds favorite to win the Stanley Cup this year. What are your thoughts on the Colorado Avalanche? Well, they got the three-headed beast. Miko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr. Three tremendous athletes. And this team just won the Stanley Cup two years ago. Both uh, both Nathan McKinnon and Minko Rantanen had over 100 points last year. Uh, and only, I mean, how many teams could say that? Only a handful of teams could say they had 200-plus point players. Um, they have the best defenseman in the NHL on their team in Kale McCarr. Uh, it's unfortunate that Gabriel Landeskog's out for the entire season. That sucks. And because of that, the Avalanche had to go out and add some key pieces to replace his production. They got Ryan Johansson, Jonathan Druin, Miles Wood. VP, you're familiar with Miles Wood. Uh, Ross Colton. These are all names that are coming in, new names coming into the Colorado Avalanche organization. They are going to miss their captain, Landeskog. Uh, that sucks. But, you know, their strength is this team is very similar to the one that won the Central Division last year. It really is. They, You could argue they're the same or only got a tad better. With that being said, big things could be in store for them once again. Um, they shouldn't slip too much off their 109-point total from last year. Uh, Georgiev and Francois are also a very underrated goalie tandem that could get the job done. We've seen that. I don't hate it. Their weakness is, this is a big one too. And we haven't mentioned this weakness 
over the past three weeks for any team is that they struggle so much from the faceoff dot. They can't win faceoffs. They finished the season last year with 46.7% winning percentage at the faceoff dot. That's bottom five in the NHL. You have a bottom five faceoff percentage, yet you won the division and you had 109 points. If you aren't winning faceoffs, you aren't containing possession. And and that means, like, imagine if they would have just got it up a few more percentages. Would they have beat the Seattle Kraken come the postseason? I mean, imagine what that would have done with them. You start winning faceoff more, that not only gives you possession, that increases your power play goals because you have more pres- uh, possession on the power play. That increases your empty net opportunities because you're winning faceoffs when you have empty net opportunities. So much more. There's it, It's like a avalanche, no pun intended, an avalanche effect of increasing your your face-off percentage, it, it improves the team as an overall, and they were so good. That's something they need to focus on this year and get it up to lo- like 49 50%. This team would be so much better, and I think that's I, – I don't know what their face-off percentage was when they won the Stanley Cup, but I think that's why they, they were such an elite team back when they won the Cup and so dominant. There's a large group in the analytics community of hockey – that laughs at the face-off stat. Oh, I, a firm believer in the face-off stat. I don't know where I stand. Obviously, this stat favors the analytic people that hate the stat because the Colorado Avalanche, they lose face-offs and they still go get the puck anyway. Like, you know, I, I, think, I think I like the face-off stat situationally. Hey, Nico, we're up a goal and we got a minute to kill. Yeah, go win that face off, buddy. Win it right back to Doug, and he'll he'll make a play. Okay, that that's where I'm like I'm situationally face off type of person, but the fact that the Avalanche are as good as they are and their face off winning percentage is so atrocious, um, that does kind of make me take a step back on the stat as a whole, but. I also think of like the Devils and the Bruins, who were both so good at winning faceoffs last year, um, and they were the two of the three best records in the NHL last season. Um, when I think of, I, I definitely think it's better to be good at faceoffs than not, and because you start with the puck, you don't have to go get it, and you have one step out of the way. So that is an interesting stat. Um, Colorado probably is looking to fix it, and you can assume that guys like the Nate Dowg. And, you know, some of the other centers that they have on the team are going to be willing to address that this season. And do you you know how many times they needed that goal at the end of the game against Seattle in a series? And if you you lose the faceoff when you're in the offensive end, that kills 30 seconds of your your time of trying to score a goal. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. I mean, take a look at some of the best Stanley Cup teams of the past decade. The Blackhawks had Jonathan Taves, one of the best uh, faceoff percentage guys in the league. The Bruins won it. They had Patrice Bergeron malt, set a record for Selkie trophies. I mean, Sidney Crosby, even with the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? Anze Kopitar of the Kings. All the top teams got great faceoff winning percentages. And I don't think that's a coincidence. No, that's very, that's very fair. Um, but yeah, as far as the Avalanche go, the Nate Dog having Kale McCarr, you're you're you got two of the top five players in the NHL. And only the Edmonton Oilers can say the same thing, having two of the top five players 
Um, I I struggle to pick anybody else as the best team in the West right now on paper. Uh, obviously, Vegas is up there. Edmonton's going to have something to say about it. I love Dallas. Um, I think the Kings are going to be there. We talked about sleepers in each division so far. I think the Kings are the sleeper of the conference. We didn't call them a sleeper in their division because we both kind of just agree they're top three for sure. But like in the conference, they're a sleeper. And so like those are the teams for me in the West right now. And the Avalanche kind of are at or near the top of the pack. Um, I'm excited to watch them this year, though. They're going to be entertaining. Um, Nathan McKinnon was the second best player in the NHL last season. Um, we'll see what happens with them. But, um, Frank, I think now is the time where we talk about your favorite team, the favorite team of a lot of people watching this program. I thought you were going to do a song for every team. Nope, only the teams I care about singing for. Frank, the Chicago Blaha are one of the worst teams in the NHL. They have been for the last handful of seasons now. And they were so bad last year that they had a top 3% chance to win the draft lottery, and they won it. Connor Bedard is coming to Chicago. They traded for Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno and Scory Perry. Um, their defense is absolutely atrocious. Their goal <laughs> is nasty. Um, their bottom two lines might be terrible because um, I actually – I don't – I don't love Felino and Perry as your fourth line. I, I like it more of like a third line. I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but, um, you know, it's not the Felino and Perry of five years ago, but, you know, it's good veteran presence for Bedard. I don't think they care about winning. I think they only care about developing this kid, and that's why Perry and Felino are going to play because it doesn't really matter how much they produce. It matters how much they help Bedard. That's all that matters to this organization right now. I can't wait to watch them. I'm going to be locked into that preseason game tomorrow. <laughs> I can't wait to watch Connor Bedard make his debut. And now, Frank, the top players, issues, strengths, stuff I haven't gotten to of your favorite team, the Chicago Blackhawks. Go off, King. Well, I'm excited to see Bedard and Hall play together. That's going to be exciting. I'm excited to see Lucas Reichel play. He's a stud. Um, Seth Jones, he's okay. He was our all-star because they felt the need they have to give everybody an all-star. But he's kind of stunk. But he's on the team as well, right? And uh, they drafted Oliver Moore. We're not going to see Oliver Moore, but... They have a lot of draft stock, and they're using this to build a very productive team and farm system. And, you know, they still have a lot of rebuilding to do before they become a playoff contending team, but they're in a great spot. They have one of the best futures lined up compared to all the other teams that were in the bottom five or six last year in the league, um, which that's that's probably their strengths right there But that I named. Their weaknesses, you nailed it on the head. Their defensive core is atrocious. Um, they don't have a strong goaltending duo. They got Peter Mrazek and Arvid Soderblom, who are not going to take you on a run into the postseason or the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, besides really Seth Jones, who kind of stunk, and Connor Murphy, their defense is screaming for help. Uh, Korchinski will be, will be coming eventually to save part of the day at some point in the future, but their defensive core still needs to be built a lot more, and because of that, they're going to have trouble uh, keeping the puck out of the net. But I'm going to enjoy to watch them this season. I'm going to have fun doing it. I'll be rooting for Bedard to hit 50 goals, and uh, I'm excited. I'm, I want hockey to be back. We're, you know, like 
10, 14 days away from the regular season, maybe like 14. Uh, I'm excited, and I'll be watching. And like I said, I think Hall and Bedard are going to be a fantastic duo. I think Lucas Reichel is going to have a lot for fans to look forward to, seeing him play on the ice. I think there's a lot of bright spots to this team. And like I said, their future is very, very bright. I saw a chart on Facebook the other day. It was obviously a fan-made chart. It's meant for AM entertainment purposes, but the middle line, it was like the, what was that grid in high school and college called where it was like one line down the middle and one through the middle of that line going the other direction. It was like a grid. It was like a grid. For multiple. No, no. I'm trying to think of like a way to describe it to you. I don't have any pens near me or anything like that, but it was like, it created like a T. And the middle line going up and down. Pros and was, cons? No, it, it was like <laughs> an actual math looking chart. Oh, and okay. it had um, the middle line going up and down. The top of it was good and the bottom was bad. And then the middle line was excitement. The left side was not excited at all. The right side was totally excited. So in the top right corner were teams of fan bases who are excited for their team and the team is expected to be good in the top left corner where fans aren't excited, but the team is expected to be good. Um, Bottom left was fans aren't excited. The team's expected to be bad. The right bottom was teams that are excited, fan bases that are excited, but the team is expected to stink. Mm -hmm. The Blackhawks were bottom right corner as far as they could go because people just think this team is going to be so bad but everybody's so excited for them um that's kind of where i lie i can't wait to watch them play i think when 98 is on the ice there's a chance that he makes an impact every single shift a scoring chance um some kind of awesome shot you know he based on what i've seen in training camp so far and the prospect challenge he played in one game which another reason to watch preseason, I can't wait to see how he does it in the preseason, is he avoids contact better than I realized. Um, He, in the World Juniors, it's not that big of a deal. Everyone around him is a scrawny little prick. You know, it doesn't matter. He's It's a bunch of kids around his size. Now he's going to have the Blues come into town ready to try and take his head off. I'm excited to see how he plays against 200 and. 15 pound six foot three robert thomas trying to take his he he's so agile he's so shifty where like he avoids contact as good as any 18 year old i've seen in a long time um like i remember jack hughes used to get destroyed you know it ended up leading to him getting a couple in now he's shifty but you know he's 20 it's a big difference oh yeah after playing in the league for a couple years um connor bedard the way he avoids contact. I'm going to be looking for that more than offensive production tomorrow. Can't wait to see how he handles that. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I just – I think the world of this kid, I think the team is horrible. Uh, like, they're, I look at their defense and it makes me want to puke. Um, Seth Jones, you called him bad. He, he was okay. But for 9.5 mil for eight more years – or not, yeah, seven more years, that's bad. Um, they picked up Zaitsev just so he could be bad and they could try and win another lottery. Connor Murphy's a good player. I wouldn't be shocked if they flip him, though. Um, Tenority, yikes. Philip Roos, yikes. I like Wyatt Kaiser. 
21 years old, draft pick, high ceiling. I'm not sure that Korchinski or Del Mastro or any of these guys, oh, even Skokes brings it up, Wyatt Kaiser. Um, yeah, Wyatt Kaiser's unreal. I think the world of him is a prospect. He's probably like their fifth or sixth top prospect right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to do the prospect pyramid, he'd be in tier three. Bedard would be in tier one all by himself. Korchinski would be in tier two all by himself. And then in tier three, I would put the Reichels and the Wyatt Kaisers. And You know who I'd have in tier two? Are you going to say Oliver Moore? Yeah. I'm that high up on him. Okay. I I mean, so when I think of tier two, I think of like a brat, um, which brat would have been in tier four in his rookie year. But like you're expecting that type of player, them to become that type of player. Uh, Timo Meyer, um, you know, just the top 100 guys, but not quite top. I think Oliver Moore is going to turn into somebody like that. I I really do. Love to see it. I don't know where I would put Oliver Moore. Would I put him up there with Korchinski? And I should do a Blackhawks prospect pyramid. I might not make as big of a deal out of it as I do the Devils one. Um, the Devils one that did numbers yesterday for pucks and pitchforks. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I will do it just to share with you and Tom and all the other Blackhawks fans, so we can have some fun debate. Um, but yeah, the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm pumped for them. I'll be watching them all season long. Um, but people are going to miss Corey Crawford and Duncan Keith this season because they're going to lose a lot of games five to four. <laughs> Do you – you don't have to give me the full-blown prediction yet, but are you still hovering around 82 points for Connor Bedard? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Now, here's what – tomorrow, Bedard will score four goals, and people will say, oh, he's scoring 60 for sure. Don't overreact to offensive production tomorrow. Not everyone on that Blues team they're going to play is going to play in the NHL this season or possibly ever. Um, but there will be some good players in the Blues lineup, I assume. I have yet to watch a preseason game. I've watched three or four preseason games so far across the NHL. I've yet to see a game where at least half the lineup wasn't like the star, the 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 big boys, mm-hmm. the people who will play. And I think the NHL has a rule. I would have to confirm this, but I'm pretty sure a rule was put in place where you have to have at least like five or six regulars in the lineup every night. Uh, they want to sell tickets and get people to watch the games and whatnot. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, I'm pumped. I can't wait to watch the Hawks. Do you have anything left on your favorite team as far as our preview? They're going to be exciting to watch. That's for sure. They are. Frank, it's time for predictions from the Central Division. Okay. Without naming all of your playoff teams, because we're saving that for either next week or the week after. I have to check the calendar. Um, who is your winner? Of the Central Division. I think there's going to be a new reigning champ in the Central Division this year. And they go by the name of the Dallas Stars. Dallas. Jason Robertson has only gotten better each year, like I said. This Stars team has been perfectly put together by Jim Nill, who's the reigning GM of the year. They also added Matt Duchesne to help him out. I don't see how his numbers don't go up from a 50 or 60 point player. They at least stay the same at minimum. You know, I thought they were cup-worthy last year, let alone having an extra year now of playoff experience under your belt. Look for them to maybe even improve on their 108-point performance this year. You know what? I'm going to go a step further, and I'm going to predict them that they may even win the President's Trophy. Yep. Yep. That's what I'm going to say. I think the Dallas Stars are going to win the President's Trophy. Get a Dallas Stars jersey already, fool. How do you know I don't have it? Bandwagon ass. 
Huh? I said, how do you know I don't have one? I just do. Because <laughs> if, if I if just you, busted it out? No, if you had a Dallas Stars jersey, dude. And listen, I know G, your girlfriend G has one, so don't put that shit in my face and try to tell me that <laughs> it's yours. I'm not stupid. Um, but if you had your own Dallas Stars jersey, I know I would have gotten a t- hey VP. How you doing? Well, now you're Look not at getting my one. new jersey. Now you're not getting. What the hell do you? You better get a Dallas star, dude. I have a jersey. <laughs> You'll the only never team, know. It'll the be only team, on a show. The only team in my top five that I don't have a jersey of, which how the fuck don't I have a jersey of, is the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't have a Maple Leafs jersey. Yeah, I need surprised. one. I need one. I definitely need one. Let's go Leafs. No. Um, I I need a jersey. Jersey first and foremost. I think Timo Meyer. Is going to be the play on that, but you need a Dallas Stars jersey. Okay, my division winner in the Central Division. I'm back and forth. I think it could be Colorado or Dallas. I think they fight till the last week of the season. One team will have 110 points. One team will have 108. I honestly believe that. I am going to roll with you though and give the edge to wow. Jason Robertson and Jake Ottinger and Miro Heiskanen. Um, if Landeskog were playing this season, I might give the edge to Colorado. Uh, Landis Cog is aiming to be back for the playoffs, assuming the Avalanche make it. But listen, I, I'm predicting the Avalanche to make the playoffs. I think they're going to have one of the best records in the NHL. But every year the NHL has a team that everybody expects to be elite, elite, and they like are average and possibly even miss playoffs or be an eight seed. I think the Avalanche, they're a candidate for that. I'm not predicting it. I promise you when I make my playoff predictions next week or the week after, and I write them on Twitter with the ats and all that, I'm putting the avalanche. But they are a candidate to be one of those disappointing Florida Panthery from last year type teams. Um, uh, that worries me. So Dallas Stars, the Central Division champions, in my opinion, coming into the year. Frank, who's your sleeper? I don't think this is going to – Tom says finally made it, boys. How you doing, Tom? Let's go, Tom! We had a good uh, hour, 20-minute conversation of the Central Division. Hell yeah. Uh, still kicking it. Um, my sleeper team. This is not going to come as a surprise to many people. It's not what you think. It's not the Blackhawks. Um, my sleeper team, though, really won't shock a lot of people. Might even be your sleeper team, potentially. Um, I'm going to go with the Nashville Predators. Um, they weren't far off last season from making the postseason. They missed by three points. Now they got Andrew Burnett as head coach and Barry Trotz as GM. Not saying this team's going to, you know, be a hundred point team all of a sudden because of that. In fact, I mean, it's 50, 50, they might even take a step back with the new management. You don't know, but I just feel like this is one of those teams that could really surprise. Um, and I, I, you never know what could happen with this Nashville Predators team. I like that pick. I like that pick. I think they absolutely could be a sleeper. They're not the team I chose, though. I think I know who you chose. Who do you think I chose? The Coyotes. The Arizona Coyotes. (laughs) I absolutely think the Arizona Coyotes will be a fun team. When I say a sleeper, I guess I'm insinuating that they could make the playoffs, but I, I, I don't think we're there. I think out of all the sleepers, I'm going to the four sleepers I'm going to name. I said, who did I say in the Pacific? Probably Calgary. 
Calgary was my sleeper, I think. And then in the uh, Atlantic, I think my sleeper was. Oh, um, was did we say Buffalo? Oh yeah, yeah. And then, um, even though Buffalo is not really a sleeper, if you just firmly think they're going to make the playoffs, but but we we said because they haven't made it. That's and... right. That's right. You can't call a team that has missed the playoffs for thirteen straight seasons anything other than a yeah, sleeper. That's right. right. That's that is a, that is true. You're right. I think out of the four sleepers, I don't know who I'm going to name for the Metro. I think every team besides the big three in the Metro could be a sleeper, except for Philly. We're doing Metro next week, right? Yeah. I actually do think I know who I'm going to pick from the Metro. Um, For those about to rock, never mind. Um, I'm picking the Desert Dogs, the Desert Dogs, to be the the sleeper here. I think the world of Clayton Keller, his interview – on Chicklets, where he talked about how he thought he wasn't going to play hockey anymore. And then he comes back this year and rolls out an 80-point season. Um, I didn't realize that when Jack Hughes broke the United States National Development Program record for points in a season, he broke Keller's record. Like, yeah, why was it? Yeah, yeah right. why was it? Yeah, but why, I didn't know that before this interview. Why, why was he the seventh overall pick and not, like, the third overall pick? Like, I... The, the Coyotes got a sick player in him, and Logan Cooley, man, that goal he scored in Australia was the real deal. I can't wait to watch him play. Um, I didn't get a chance to see him in college in person. That was the plan this year before he committed to playing in the NHL. Uh, you know, because remember he said he was going to Wisconsin or to Minnesota, and then he flipped. Mm-hmm. But um, can't wait to watch the Desert Dogs this year. They're my sleeper. Frank, this is where it might get painful. Who is the worst team in the Central Division? Yeah, I got to say it. It's the Chicago Blackhawks. Keep it short and sweet. You know, I didn't want to put them here for argument's sake, but, you know, it's hard to argue against it. Um, You know, even if they don't finish last place when all 82 games are all said and done, I just can't assume that Connor Bedard will make them a seventh-place team in the division. So Chicago Blackhawks, worst team, but one of the most fun teams to watch in the NHL this season. Understood, understood. I think that so I wrote two teams down and I said I was going to I said I was going to go back and forth the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um obviously the Blackhawks are one of the two teams because they were the worst team last year. Um I know your other one just by how we've talked about the central division today. Why what do you who do you think the other one is? The Blues. It is the Blues. <laughs> um you know they don't have Tarasenko anymore. Uh, obviously, they don't have Ryan O'Reilly I think anymore. If the Hawks do finish seventh, the Blues could be blown. Yeah, That's I, I but I just I have to pick them last because it's just yeah. And one thing we didn't touch on, I don't remember if we touched on it actually. The Blues did add Kevin Hayes. Yeah, I said it. I said yeah, it. yeah. That's right. Um, I, you know that'll make them better. It'll improve their top six, I think. Yeah, and I like Verana, and they have Kasperi Kapanen now. Yeah, Sammy all, Blay all is a good mentioned. player. Yeah. yeah. So I. I Listen, I was doing the same thing as you. I wanted to not pick Chicago. I love the Blackhawks, man. Everybody thinks I hate them. But that's really just because people only remember. There's recency bias when people think of Vinnie Parisi's opinion of the Blackhawks. If you knew me in 2015, let's say, like your in-laws, I've only known them since the Hawks have sucked. They didn't know me during the good years. (laughs) I 
I praised them. I call it like I feel like I see it. I'm not always right. I'm far from it. I'm actually mostly wrong. But when the Hawks were great, I thought Seabrook was a top 10 defenseman and nobody gave him the credit for it. Jalmerson was the best defensive defenseman, pure defensive defenseman in the NHL. I, if there was a trophy for the, the, if the Norris trophy went to the best defensive defenseman in the NHL and offense was not considered whatsoever, he was the guy. Mm-hmm. Patrick Kane hated being on the ice with him because he was so bad offensively. He couldn't make a stretch pass to save his life. And Joel, <laughs> Joel Quinville's entire system was built on the defense stress pass, stre- stretch passing it to the forwards. Marion Hosa is the greatest two-way winger I've ever seen. Jonathan Taves is the best captain in NHL history. Daddy Kane was unreal in his prime. Me talking crap about him last season, he was bad last season. There's he, whether it was his hip or he was bad last season. All he was a PowerPoint merchant. That's why he got in the fifties for points. He still has unreal hands. We'll see what he's like this year. When they were Duncan Keith is the best defenseman of his era, and I honestly think Bobby Orr, Nicholas Lidstrom, and Raymond Bork are the only defensemen definitively better than Duncan Keith all time. Like. There might be others that people will throw in my face and they could be right, but Duncan Keith is in that conversation for like the fifth best defenseman ever. Mm-hmm. I, I have no problem compliment. I like the Blackhawks. When I say they stink right now, it's unbiased. I think Bedard is going to be a 700 goal scoring Hall of Fame centerman. Um, but they're the worst team in the division, and I can't really say otherwise right now. I, I want to say otherwise. Almost everything each week. I know. I know. Some of the. I think arguing the middle, yeah, arguing the middle of the sport, middle of the pack sports teams, as always, create more debate than the worst or the best. When we get to our playoff predictions, we might have a disagreement or two. Yeah, probably. Um, I went seven for eight in the East last year, Um, and I only went I went four for eight in the West last year. The the Kraken boned me. And the Predators boned me, and the Blues boned me. I can't remember who the third was, or the fourth, I mean. Are you sure there were four? Maybe I got five out of eight, which is still freaking brutal for me. Oh, the Jets? No, I had oh, the Jets in. Yeah, I had the Jets in. They made it. Um, I'm trying to – did I leave – was I scared to put the star? Because remember, the stars were fringe for a minute there. You didn't and put then, the Ducks in. No, 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 no. No, Joey Parisi said the Ducks, though. <laughs> Moron. Oh, you know what it was, Frank? The Flames. Fuck. Oh, me. yeah, yeah, the Flames. I did get – I knew I got four out of eight last year in the West. That was terrible. That is – well – But I'll take seven out of eight in the East. You can't get worse this year. I think it's impossible. Yeah, I do too. The East, I would, lo- I would sign up for seven out of eight again. Last year, the Islanders got in over the Penguins. So that was where I went wrong in the East. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what happens this year. We're going to make our playoff prediction soon. Frank, I love talking about the Central Division for you with you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good fun. division to chat. When yeah. It's the longest we've had chatting about a division. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited for the Metropolitan next week, though. Yep. I saved it for last by design because um, – I just I think it's got a lot of really interesting storylines. The Devils are in that division. Um, I have a feeling we are, we're going to disagree on the winner. We are going to agree on the sleeper and the last place team. That's my prediction. Yeah, 
I mean, um, it's, it, you never know. You never know. You never we know. might agree on the winner. Yeah, maybe. Um, Frank, I think it's about time we move on to a couple of the storylines around the NHL. We'll run what about our hot take? Oh, I'm sorry. I See, got that, a juicy take. That's why. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. We bounce off each other. Your hot take about the NHL's Central Division. I think that only three teams will make it to the postseason out of the Central Division. And the reason why this is a hot take is that because – because you're um, contradicting yourself from a couple episodes ago? No. The last time that only three t- – why? Mr. The Pacific Division is the worst division in the I NHL? I think it is. No, you don't. I do. If you think only three teams from the Central make it, you think that division's worse. I do. I, I, I don't know what to say. The last time that only three teams from the Central Division qualified for the Stanley Cup playoffs – was in 2012-2013 during the shortened season. So it's been nearly 10 years since there have been only three teams coming out of the, the Central Division. Since then, four or more have qualified for the postseason from the Central. Listen, I think on paper, it is the worst division in the NHL. That doesn't Paper doesn't equate to the standings. Yeah. And it was a hot take for a reason. Yeah, it is. It's. I love that take. I, I think I agree. I actually do think I agree because I do think the Central is the worst division in the NHL. And I think Pacific is either best or second best. So, yeah, I like that take. I, You know the top three. I mean, we'll see if I throw in a fourth team. I don't think I don't think I'm going to. I can't wait to give our full-blown playoff predictions, I though. I literally can't what, wait. Two weeks, probably? I think one. Oh, next week? I think that's our last show before games. Is it? Let me see. Let's so determine wanna... that right. Oh, update. Not now. It is the last Wednesday before shows. Before games, you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The first day of the season, Bedard versus Crosby is a Tuesday, right? So, we'll pro- yeah. So, we'll probably do the Metro in period one and then kick off period two of like predictions or something, right? Oh, yeah. But would you be down to do? I mean, we could have this conversation off air too, but the fans would be interested. Would you rather do the show on Tuesday that week, maybe? Oh, the day the uh, the day the season starts. If there's oh, a so two then o'clock, save the prediction till. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. I don't hate that idea. We could also just do it on Wednesday and recap the first day of the season. Either way is a win for Bardown. Um, I don't hate it. I don't think. Yeah. Oh, I, it's making me pick my favorite team again. Okay, the Devils are my favorite team. Oops. Who am I following? Okay, we'll take care of that in a little bit. Um, Frank, my hot take from the Central Division is that the the Winnipeg Jets will trade Shifley and Hellebuck and have a full-blown rebuild that includes possibly moving on from other people as well. Um, I, I just, I think coming into next year, we see them as the worst team in the, NA, in the such of the I wouldn't be surprised. And I they can't. need it. It's not a, it's not a, I'm, yeah, I'm not poo-pooing them. Being bad in the NHL isn't always a bad thing. Like a good example is this baseball team right here, the Chicago White Sox. They're the kind of bad you make fun of. They're supposed to be good and they're bad. Um, mm-hmm. who was like that last year? Um, the blues and the predators. Those are the types of bad you feel bad about. The Blackhawks, the Ducks, 
Oh, the Blue Jackets. You make fun of them too. They were supposed to be good. Um, but yeah, <laughs> um, we'll see what happens. I I have something I like about every team in the NHL, and that's what's fun about doing this show. So oh, that's yeah. my hot take, Frank. We will now send it over. Period number two. Hello there, Frank. Hello, VP. Hello. Welcome to Fish Creek. This is Vinny. <laughs> um, we are now in period number two. I'm very excited to be here with you. Um, Frank, how you doing, man? Great. That was a long first period. That was tied for maybe one of the longest of all time. Yes. I have to say, hour and a half. Have you updated your NHL app? Uh, no, I don't think so. It is the biggest update I've ever seen of it. It is the most different looking season over season that I've ever seen. Wow. It looks entirely different. And I still have to download iOS 17. I still have to download iOS 17. Um, but yeah, it just looks more slick. The Bruins logo being updated, obviously. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped. Hockey's back, baby. Hockey's back. And one of the leading stories in the NHL right now is Steven Stamkos versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, They have not reached out to him with a contract extension over the summer. He was expecting so due to the fact that every other player on their core sign, including Brandon Hagel, who's not part of their core. Now he is kind of, but no cops, you know, good player. not poo-pooing Brandon Hagel. He deserves what he got. He was awesome, but he's not Steven Stamkos. I think that's fair to say. Um, Every one of those guys, Kucherov, Hedman, Vasilevsky, Point, Hagel, all got their extensions done the summer before they became a UFA. For those of you who don't know, you are allowed to get a contract extension one year before you are a a free agent. So on July 1 every year, the upcoming pending free agents can sign an extension from that moment forward. Stamco's got no call from the Lightning. Nobody knows what Stamco's wants. Um, The Lightning, Julian Breezeball, the GM, said – you know, he wants Stamkos to be a lightning for life. Stamkos has expressed that, but he will make decisions that are better for the team regardless. But the fact that you didn't even call Stamkos and yeah. for all we know, Stamkos is down to take like a five and a half million dollar contract for six years and retire a lightning. And we just wouldn't know that because you didn't call him at all. What are your thoughts? It's a problem that he enters training camp this year on an expiring contract and he's disappointed. And I would be, too, if I was in his shoes. He's the longest tenured player on this Lightning team. And as much as anybody might not admit, want to admit it, if they're like Stamkos haters out there or agree with this, um, he's what started this elite team. He was here before anybody else, and he's still producing at that. Uh, Stamkos will be making $8.5 million this year on his final year of his contract. And the numbers show that he's still worth that from last year. At 33 years old, he had 34 goals and 50 assists, 84 points in 81 games. What's wrong with that? And like you said, even if Stamkos has to take a pay cut for his next contract, contract, which he most definitely will have to, you got to find a way to get him signed. This team still has a core to contend for the cup, but without Stamkos, that makes the hill to climb even bigger. You got to get this done if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. Couldn't agree more. Um, I don't think it happens. I'd be stunned, actually. I don't know how he doesn't. Well, I, I heard this. I can't remember where I heard it. It was on one of the podcasts I listened to, and it made sense in my head, and I thought I was going to say it on the show. 
Do you remember where Julian Breezebois came from? No. He is from the GM tree of Steve Eiserman. Do you remember what Steve Eiserman as GM did to Martin St. Louis? Refresh my memory. Martin St. Louis wanted to stay. He wanted to be on the Olympic team. Eiserman was like, no. He <laughs> plays hardball. He plays hardball. Clearly, he taught Julian Breezebois to play hardball as well. I think I'd be stunned at this point. See, I'm the opposite. I'd be stunned if he leaves. It'd be like one of those oh shit moments. Like, wow. For some reason, they can't figure out a way to just take care of Stamkos first top priority. He hit free agency once before. When he extended with the Lightning, he was free to sign with any team in the league, and he went back to the Lightning. They let him get to free agency already once before. I don't think it's the same ending this time around. We'll he, he's gonna be nice. He's already nice and for their off. sake, they better hope so. Cause then I'm I might be out on the lightning. That's how much I think he means them. Oh, truly. he means he truly means a lot to them. So. I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, it's it's bad. Um I I hope they find a way to get it done. He is a lightning, in my opinion. Like he is the lightning. Um, without him, they're in they're in deep doo-doo. Um, but I mean, we'll see. We'll see. And it, yeah, it's trouble. Frank, the Minnesota wild released alternate jerseys. For those who don't know, the Minnesota North stars were a team once upon a time before they became the Dallas stars and the Minnesota North stars had green Bay Packer colors. Obviously the yellow and green were a little bit brighter than the Packers probably resembled the A's a little bit more, but I think even the A's are a little bit darker, mm -hmm. bright yellow and bright green. Um, their third jersey looking like their old reverse retro. I love it. What do you think? I might have to think long and hard about this take, but these might be one of my favorite Minnesota Wild jerseys of all time. Um, they remind me of a can of Sprite, <laughs> cracking a can of Sprite. Wearing... So you agree it's a lighter green and a lighter yeah, yellow? Yeah, I think they might be my favorite Wild jerseys of all time. Um, I'd have to really dig deep and think about it, but for right now, that yeah, they would be. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the captaincy patches also are outlined with the state of Minnesota. Which is different than the jersey from the reverse retro, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So I thought that was a cool little thing to add to the jerseys, right? And I can't wait to see them being used on the ice. I agree. I can't wait either. I, I absolutely think um, they are the best wild jerseys ever made. And I hope these stick around too. I think there's a place for both of them because I think this is the stadium series. Mm -hmm. This isn't their actual jersey. Like the numbers are bigger because mm -hmm. they were meant to be seen from football seats. But the regular jerseys are like a model of this, the shoulders green. Um, I hope they keep both because I think there's a place for both. I love the Wilds jerseys. The Wild have always matched their play on the ice with their jersey game. They're always one of the best looking teams in the NHL. Mm -hmm. So good on them for this jersey. Frank, how about the Jets jersey that honors the military? Yeah, this one I'm not so sure of, right? I like the color scheme because they remind me of the Chicago fire colors and the Chicago flag. Um, they use the similar colors. However, this one I wouldn't be rushing out to make a purchase. These jerseys will be uh, worn in honor of the Royal Canadian Air Force or the RCAF. Um because next year on April 1st, it's the 100th anniversary of the RCAF. And no, that's not an April Fool's joke. Um, these jerseys will be the official third jerseys of the Winnipeg Jets. And I believe they'll be worn a total of 11 times throughout the year. 
So uh, if I couldn't be on the fence, I would say I don't like them. Um, if I had to choose yay or nay, uh, I definitely wouldn't buy one. But uh, yeah, I just there's something about them I don't I don't really like. I understand. I'm kind of in the same boat. I wouldn't buy one. Uh, well, I think like I if you're on the fence and you can't say you you're in the middle, do you not like it or like it? I would say. I would say I don't like it. I would say don't like it, but it's one of those jerseys that I could see myself liking once I see it on the ice. There are some jerseys that are just so atrocious where I'm like, I'm never gonna like that. Yeah. Um, that's not one of them. Okay. That's not one of them. I think there's a world where it looks good on the ice. They got the Canadians coming to town, right? And the Jets yeah. and Canadians are going to have a sick game. And Montreal's wearing their classic whites. They're looking good. And the Jets got these things on. I could see them looking good in a game like that. I really do. Um, so I'll give them a 6.1. Like a low score, but like not a not below five. For me, it'd be in the low fours, I think. Okay. So I like not, the color scheme. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you. Um, what about okay? I'm skipping down a couple beats just because I forgot to put them next. Tom to says, any chance showing us poor slobs what these jerseys look like? Yeah, if you give me a sec, I could pull them up on the screen. Yeah, uh, if Vinny wants to talk about a what what were the first? Oh, the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, you could get the Minnesota Wild ones, get the uh, Jets ones, and then there's the Heritage Classic jerseys yeah. that were revealed from the Calgary Flames. And the give me a second. Um, Edmonton Oilers. Those ones are a lot more old school looking. There, those jerseys aren't going to be for everybody. I like them. Those I will say I like. Um, I I like old school ugly looking jerseys. I that that's so hockey to me to have like an old school ugly jersey, especially the Canadian Canadian teams. And that's kind of where you know my my I don't know the word I'm looking for. My okay. hesitation towards making fun of the Jets ones comes in. It's just old school, ugly Canadian hockey. These, there's nothing ugly about these. So, so these are the uh, these are the Minnesota Wild. There you go. There's a you see the patch of the um the the state of Minnesota. That's a uh, Blackhawks player Nick Felino's brother Marcus Felino. And then down here, you kind of get the side view of what they look. They're they're absolutely they're incredible. Yeah, they're I love these. Um, I so might get one. No name. And these are the uh, the seventy eights. Are these like from nineteen seventy or what is the seventy eight thing? Well, that's the year the North Stars. Oh, okay. Or like a similar like a North Stars version with the North Stars logo instead. And I don't know if you see, but the the center of the wild, like with the sun, is yellow, and I like that a lot. I like yeah. that a ton. Me too. I like how they have this patch too. So those are the Minnesota Wild jerseys. Let me do the Winnipeg Jets. The Winnipeg Jets. And I have the Oilers ones on standby with the And the Flames? Yeah, they're both side by side. Yeah, with McDavid and Kadri. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool picture. Um, um I have an article on Puck Pros coming out uh, not long after this episode is over on the Heritage Classic jerseys and my thoughts on them. So Everybody needs to tune into that as well. And then here um, is if you're watching, if you're listening to the audio version, just go to twitter.com and type in Winnipeg Jets jersey or Minnesota Wild jersey or Heritage Classic jerseys. There's the Winnipeg Wets logo. It's just too ugly for me. The, like the design is just poor. 
It I looks like I... someone made them on eShow. Yeah. And then if you scroll down, I mean, this is a little, uh, little better fuller shot. It just it reminds me of the Chicago Fire because I'm pretty sure they have the same color and same jerseys, but it's a, uh, I don't know. It's just not well put together. I I don't like the random stripes, the blue and red stripes. Yeah, that's an issue for sure. I think if they took the blue and red stripes from where the logo is the center stripes and you moved them and it was just that jets logo on that color. And maybe you did more stripes around the side. It would look a little bit better. I I don't know. I just, it's <laughs> Tom puts the throwing up face. Huh. <laughs> oh no. Is that money? That's oh, that's money. money. Maybe. Oh, maybe that's for the wild Jersey. Yeah. There's, there's no way you think these are money. I'd be stunned. You even gave them a six or something. These are uh, yeah six six point one. No, they're not eights. eights I missed the like comment. Money. I missed the comment in the chat where Caitlin asked, "When are we talking football?" Oh, I didn't see that either. In the third period, get ready for it. Um, and Let's then, go. do you want to talk? What was your next point? The Calgary Flames, Edmonton Oilers, Heritage Classic jerseys. Yeah, I got those here. Um, let me get those. What are your thoughts on them while you're looking it up? So, let me zoom in really quick. I love them. They're ugly, but I love them. They're different than the Jets. It's a different kind of ugly. All right. Here's my opinion on these. Okay. the I don't hate them. I really like the Oilers jersey a lot, actually. I really like the Oilers jersey a lot. Right? Would be one to have. Like, if I were to get an Oilers jersey, I'd consider getting this one for my collection, right? Um, the Flames one is nothing special to me, right? The oil, like, I really have nothing to say about the Flames. Kind of bland or nothing special. It's like I wouldn't rush out to get this one. The Oilers, to me, is worlds better than the Flames. Um, the Oilers one I liked a lot because it's got the drop logo to symbolize, like, an oil drip, and the font and everything is really cool, really works nicely together. Like I said, if I were to get an Oilers jersey, I'd consider getting this one, right? The only I have a major problem with this though, with this jersey. And if you I don't know if you're laughing because you know what I'm gonna say. I think I might know what you're Why gonna say. the fuck is he wearing brown pants? He it, it looks ugly. If that's the way this team's gonna do it, I I just I I don't support it. It looks like he's getting ready to apply his head supervisor of UPS. He looks like an absolute dork. And I hope the whole team doesn't wear those or it'll make them unwatchable. Honestly, I think it looks horrendous. I, there should What's with the brown? Read oh the caption. God. It says leather-looking pants care. and gloves. Oh. Recall hockey gear from yesteryear. I almost threw up when well, he said they're that. wearing them. I God. love that the inside of the neck says Battle of Alberta on both jerseys. Oh, yeah, I might puke. That is awesome that it says Battle of Alberta. Yeah, on that, that's great. But like dude, the Devils. I thought Connor McDavid was an elite player. I didn't know he wants to go work for UPS. <laughs> that's funny. I like both. I like the Simpleton of Calgary. My only complaint is the number on the oil drip. Hate that. Really? Hey, I love the whole oil. God, freaking dry sidle. It's going to be number 29. Like, nah. What does that 29 have to do with anything? No, it's not 29. (laughs) I like 29, actually. It's just, I don't like the number inside the drip. The drip, drip, jibbity drip. Not a fan of that, but I I would get one. (laughs) I I I actually, 
I like the you're gonna think I'm crazy. I like the flames one better. Wow. I do. I just I like the simpleness. I would never get either one. I want a plane of each of these teams. Um, you know, I want I want the the flames one where the flames logo is yellow and the rest of the jerseys red. Like I want that jersey really bad. And I want a plain Oilers as well. Um, you know, I love having NHL jerseys. I like wearing them out and stuff. So, you know, I think those two would look sharp at like a bar or something, but you know, we'll see. I, I'm a fan of these jerseys. I like when new jerseys are released, whether and here's the thing, even if they're ugly, even if they're ugly, I just love getting a look at new NHL sweaters so and like I. thinking about what they're going to look like on the ice. The Heritage Classic is October 29th. I hope we watch together. Um, there's it's an NFL Sunday, so it'll be that and uh, the Heritage Classic at the same time. Maybe we'll have a little shindig or something for Why it. But brown though, it looks terrible. I mean, oh, I don't know. That makes it like so much worse. That's like it's old school true. hockey, though. Remember Mark Andre Fleury? Wore and there's a reason like it's old school. Yeah, I know. You're right. It's just ugly. Do an orange. It would look. Oh my god, it looks terrible. I hope it looks better on the ice. I I don't see it. That is a case. I don't see it. I don't love the leather looking look either. Like there's the, a reason the they moved combo. off that. They 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 don't go together. No, I don't That's... care what like what's on the brown. That brown and orange don't go together. It just don't. Yeah, I'm with you. And the blue, the like blue and brown and orange, like it's just a weird combo. That's fair. I'd rather them black. Yes, because black yeah. matches with anything, right? You have a red. For the shirt, most part, shirt. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what yeah, I... Smoke says you. I don't know if he mistyped, but maybe P U. Maybe P U. Um, I like the flames though. I like the simpletonness of it. Um, <laughs> he, I wasn't expecting anything good from Edmonton. That's honestly true. Edmonton's jerseys outside of their home and aways usually don't hit for me. Um, but I love their colors. Um, they represent blue and orange a lot better than other teams we know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Frank, Logan Cooley, Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, all these guys are dominating already. Do you have any comment on that? And did you see the pass that um, Bedard made to Hall yesterday where he yeah, they look, it through they, the air? They look good in training camp. So. Yeah, I wish I mean, Hall buried it. It would have made the video better. but That's what I'm like. I'm looking forward to seeing them play together. They look good. Logan Cooley, that spin around ago was cool. I mean, some veterans can't even do that. So um, those are going to be some bright spots to watch this year. Absolutely. Um, a couple nights ago, Sean Couturier made his return to the NHL. Yeah. Um, he missed over 600 days the last time he played an, a game of any kind before the preseason game against the Devils on Tuesday was December 18, 2021. Yeah. Um, thoughts on Couturier? At the time of his injury, one of the best two-way players in the NHL. Oh, yeah. You know, he's going to have a lot of rust to shake off, though, right? He had two back surgeries since 2021. Like you said, hasn't gotten to play a game since December of 2021, um, which, which we're talking about almost two years it's going on, right? Setting a play on the first line of the Philadelphia Flyers. If he gets back to playing at the level he was prior to all these injuries, that'll be great for Flyers fans. Unfortunately, it's easier said than done. It's a big ask for him. Um, he's a multiple uh, 30 goal scorer. He was a Selkie winner in 2019, 2020 to get back to those levels after not playing for almost two years is going to be nearly impossible. I'd say, I mean, you look at every player 
in any sport who's gone through career-changing injuries, you almost never see them get back to what they once were, right? Especially with having to play on one of the worst teams in the NHL. It's it's just not going to happen. Sean Couturier is one of the best two-way players in the NHL. He's got a lot of term left on his contract, like a lot, like six years. So he's going to be there through the Flyers' rebuild. I hope they're able to put a good team. I hope he gets to play with Michkov one day. He I really, will. really do. I probably. really, really do. Um, yeah, he probably will. It should be fun to see if it does ever happen. Um, fun fact, the last time Sean Couturier played an NHL game, you met Katie nine days earlier. Wow. That's how long out. it's been. That time out. That's how long it's been. It's been a long time for Sean Couturier. Holy smokes. That's what I'm saying. Time goes by fast, but it also goes by slow. And he won't get to that level. Do you agree? Um, Two years is a long time. It'll take a minute. Yeah. It'll take a minute. I think he could. He's an elite player. I believe that he's dedicated to getting back to that level. He, he's dedicated to trying. So until what he doesn't. This year? This year, no. I, I just don't think there's much around him. They don't have Kevin Hayes anymore. <laughs> Um, you know, Cam Atkinson is a maybe. He was a late scratch um, in the game against the Devils. Like, he was supposed to play. Like, what's up with Cam Atkinson? I want to see him get back out there. He yeah. was great at once upon a time. Um, rooting for him. Um, and then, Frank, the last thing I have for the other NHL news is that Corey Schneider retired. For those of you who don't know, Corey Schneider, he is probably the second best goalie in Devils history. Um. He was my absolute favorite goalie in the NHL for a long time. I've had three Schneider jersey shirts in my life, and when they would get old and ugly looking, I would get a new one. And it's funny, for Christmas, my mom got me one, not knowing that he was, like, retired or gone. Not retired, but, like, gone from the mm -hmm. Devils. It was cheap on NHL.com and got me one for Christmas. That's so, so cool. I got a Corey Schneider shirt that's brand new, only worn a handful of times now. And he's been away from the Devils for a handful of years. I debated with our other cousin, Frank, over the summer, whether or not Jack Hughes and Corey Schneider were teammates. And I think I said at the time, no. And then I was watching some highlights yesterday. Jack Hughes and Corey Schneider, yes, they were teammates for one season. Um, but, yeah, Corey Schneider, in his prime with the Devils, you know, first comes over from Vancouver where he split the net with Roberto Luongo, Bobby Lou. Um, he was one of the best goalies in the NHL. There's no doubt he had top – 10 save percentage top 10 goals against every single year but the team around him stunk it was yeah. hilarious there was the one year he had like a 918 save percentage and a 2.2 goals against average but his record was like 14 18 and 5 mm -hmm. you know the devils were bad bad part of me i love schneider he's one of my favorite players ever i remember like being annoyed with him at one time and i'm like this guy cost the devils mcdavid <laughs> You know, they cost, he kind of probably cost him McDavid and Matthews or Matthews Could've. because in 2015, the Devils were bad. They were so bad, but they only had the sixth worst record. Mm -hmm. If there was no Schneider, they, they easily would have been right there with Buffalo, Edmonton, and Toronto for the number one pick. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but, you know, things work out in the end. I, I'm pretty cool with having Heischer and Hughes as the one two punch right now but credit to Corey Schneider you got anything on Mr. Corey he had a great 13 year career like you said played with the Devils he was drafted by the Vancouver Canucks in 2004 helped lead the team to a Stanley Cup final in 2011 um he was Bobby Lou still the starter during that time or was yes. 
Schneider the starter? Or Bobby was, Lou was. Was Schneider he injured, was, though? No, he was the backup. Oh, okay. Well, he was on the team when he, they went to the Cup in 2011. Um, and, it, you know, he finished with good career stats. 243 goals against, 918 save percentage for a 13-year career, yeah, 26, 26 shutouts in only 410 NHL games. I would sign up for a career like that. Won the Jennings Trophy in that year that the Canucks went to the Cups. Uh, the Cup. Um, you know, you never got the chance to collect any other major hardware, but you don't always have to have those trophies in your collection to be a great goaltender. Um, yeah, he's a great goaltender. I used to say Corey Schneider would win the Vesna Trophy if the Devils ever put a team around him. They didn't do that. He um, probably once... would have. Yeah, and they got good. Remember the Taylor Hall MVP year? Oh, yeah. Schneider was brutal. Yeah. That's when he started to fall off. They used Absolutely. Keith Kincaid. They used Keith Kincaid a lot of that year. Um, so now the team's good. Schneider's retired all as well. That ends well. He played one game with the New York Islanders as well. Um, and then spent the last handful of years playing in their AHL team. Um, but yeah, Corey Schneider, we love you. He was a big part of, he was Joey's favorite devil for a long time. So we had a lot of Corey Schneider moments. I'll never forget. There was one game in the 17, 18 season. And this was in the first half, right before Schneider started to fall off. Um, the devils were playing the Bruins and they went to a shootout and hall scores. And then Schneider and Rask just traded saves. It went to like (laughs) nine rounds. Because I think someone beat Schneider early. It might have been Krejci or Marchand. One of them scored early. Hall scored. And then Tuka Rask and Corey Schneider just traded save, 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 save. And then I think the Bruins ended up winning in like the 13th round or something like that. Like, of course. Freaking of course. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, credit to Corey Schneider. Frank, it's time for the moment that people in the chat have been waiting for the whole show. Um, we're going to talk in the third period about football. Period number three. Frank, I like love football. Love it. Can't get enough of it. I want to snort the NFL. When I think of the Chicago Bears, it makes me want to puke. It makes me want to puke. No, no they, they're worse than stinky. They could lose every game for the rest of the season for all I care, to be honest with I'm you. I'm rooting for it. They're, all, they're not fun to watch. No. Once again, DJ Moore doesn't get targeted enough, like I've no. been saying for the past three weeks. I think he had three targets well into the, the second half. And, I mean, so what's the point of getting them if we're not going to use them? And, you know, unfortunately things aren't going to change. The Bears are going to be a laughing stock of the league once again for the billionth year in a row. Um, they're always making headlines, the Bears, never for the better. So, I mean, that's all I got to say about the Bears. They're not fun. True or false, you can't say I need to see more. You have to pick true or false. Justin Fields is a bust. True. Okay. I There are still people out there blaming it on coaching, which the coaching sucks. Matt Eberflus might – the only coach I remember being worse than Matt Eberflus was Mark Tressman. Um, Mark Chessman was truly awful. Like <laughs> yeah, he, he, was. he was truly awful. <laughs> um, I think they're the worst team in the league. It's very funny. The Cardinals beat the Cowboys, which I do have that written down. But like, even if the Cardinals do go on to win like one or two, three, maybe three games this season, there's a world where the 2024 NFL draft goes bears, Cardinals, bears, Cardinals. <laughs> 
the two Chicago teams. The Cardinals played their games at Comiskey Park. <laughs> the Chicago football sucks. They're so dumb. The Cardinals are cursed too because they came from Chicago. There's no doubt in my mind. That's funny. They played their games at Comiskey Park until they left for St. Louis. Then they played in St. Louis for a handful of years, and then they went to Arizona, where they still currently are. So if the 2024 NFL draft goes Bears-Cardinals, Bears-Cardinals, that will be insanely funny. Even if it goes Bears-Bears-Cardinals-Cardinals, that would also be very funny. That would be. Um, because the Bears have the Panthers pick and the Cardinals have a first-round pick. I forget what other bad team gave the Cardinals their first-round pick. I'm trying – oh, it it might be the Texans. Uh, I can't remember, though. One of the bad teams. Um, but they're just truly awful. And let me tell you what, this was brought up in the chat because a certain amount of people wanted to talk about this. The most famous person in the world right now is Taylor Swift. There's nobody in the world that can change my mind on that. I think Justin Bieber's fallen off a little bit. So is Drake. People don't talk about them quite as much. Obviously our current president Joe Biden and our former president Donald Trump are in the running for the most famous person in the world. The U.S. president, whoever it is, is always in the mix. Um, there are other you know, stars in the world. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is up there. Um, there's a handful of people that can – LeBron James, uh, Messi. There are all sorts of different people across various groups of entertainment or politics or whatever that are considered to be the most famous person in the world. It's Taylor Swift, in my opinion, right now, at least amongst females. Okay. They, she's by far the most popular female in the world. I think she's the most popular human. Um, she was at the game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chicago Bears. Hey, that's that's the Chicago Bears. Taylor Swift had to sit there and watch them get destroyed by her man Travis Kelsey. The Chicago Bears, and I heard this on the radio, and I kind of liked the analogy. They're the homecoming team. They're the team that people invite to come play. (laughs) You know, they're the bad team, a free win, if you will. NIU gives, they set their homecoming game against this ass team that they know they'll kill by 50. Um, You know, Alabama invites Middle Tennessee Tech or some bullshit team like that to come play in their homecoming game so they could beat them by 50. Uh, I could see it. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are sitting in the locker room and they're like, yeah, man, I've been talking to Taylor. You know, she's the most famous person in the world. She's wonderful. I, I kind of like her. I went to see her at Arrowhead and the Eras Tour, and it was amazing. I invited her to come to one of our games. Which game should I have her come to? Patrick Mahomes is like, you got to have her come to the game <laughs> against the Chicago Bears. That's the game that Travis Kelsey brings Taylor Swift to because that's when they are going to kill him. It's so crazy. I cannot believe what we watched on Sunday. It is maddening that they let the Chiefs be up 34 to nothing at halftime. You didn't have a touchdown in the first half. Everyone is to blame. Justin Fields, Matt Eberflus, Luke Getze, Ryan Poles, DJ Moore, all of them. Everybody deserves blame. Everybody loses to the Chiefs. It happens all the time. The Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champions. They're the best team in the NFL probably. It's the best defense Patrick Mahomes has had in his career. You're down by 30 at halftime. What? It's one thing to lose to the Chiefs, but it's one thing to be their homecoming game when they look completely like they're in a different league than you. They put in Blaine Gabbert in the second half, and he outdueled Justin Fields. 
Oh my God. The Denver Broncos gave up 70 points to the Miami Dolphins and they're favored against the Bears on Sunday. Are you kidding me? I saw. I the saw. Broncos are favored. They gave up 70. They lost by 50 and they're favored on the road. I saw a funny picture. It was, uh, it had the Dolphins score 70 to 20. And then side by side, it had the Chiefs score 34 to nothing. And the caption was the Chiefs literally went, wait, hold my beer. <laughs> I died. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Except for the Broncos were able to at least score some points against the Dolphins. And they're favored against the Bears. The Broncos are beating the Bears this weekend. Anybody who thinks differently is on crack. There's no way that they beat the <laughs> they gave up 70 points and they're favored on the road. That's how bad the Bears are that the bookmaker said, oh, this team that lost by 50, they're better. What? And make no mistake, if the Chiefs were dumb and left Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and all those guys in there, they would have scored 70. There is no doubt in my mind. Only four teams in NFL history have ever scored 70. The Dolphins were the fourth. I am disgusted, clearly, with this team. They make me yell. They make me angry. It's not worth it. It's not worth all this stress over it. They stink. I just want them to be good, man. It's, it's not worth the strain. The strain you're putting on. But you know why I'm putting strain on? What's lacking from my life right now that I've had with me for the last 20 years? A Super Bowl win? My love for Tom Brady. Wow. By now, the Bears are 1-2 and two or 0-3 by week three. Who cares? Push them to the side. I'm rooting for my guy, Tom. Tom's not here anymore. I'm left in a dark corner with the Chicago Bears, just me and them. No more Tom. Um, Man, this sucks. This is horrible. The Chicago Bears are the worst. They make me, they make me yell. Ta Taylor Swift gets invited because they know they'll win that game. And Patrick Mahomes, he said he felt pressure on him to get Kelsey a touchdown. So he decided on one particular play, now's the time where I get Travis Kelsey the ball. He wasn't throwing to anybody else but Travis Kelsey <laughs> in that spot. And they still couldn't guard him. I am just disgusted. I, I, I think I, I hate them. They're, they're by far my least favorite favorite team. They are just the worst. They're never going to be good again because you know what's going to happen? They're going to draft a, another quarterback, whether it be Caleb Williams or whoever the case may be, and they'll keep Eberflus for another year. And then they'll fire Eberflus and wonder why this new quarterback sucks two years from now. It's the same cycle over and over again. They are going to suck forever. Rebuilding forever. Done. Done. And I'm going to watch every game. I got to write about it. Just a disgusting disgrace. I hate them. Say something. It's nothing to say. It's not worth wasting my breath over it. They suck. Can the 
one and two Cincinnati Bengals or Jacksonville Jaguars bounce back? Listen, the Jaguars lost to the Texans. We had this conversation the other day. Texans have dominated the Jaguars. They look good against the Chiefs, the uh, the Bengals. They got a win, a nice win against the Colts during Week One. You mean the Jaguars? Yeah. You not said the, the Bengals. Bengals. Not the Bengals. Yeah, the Jaguars got a nice win against the Chiefs. Jaguars got a nice win against the Colts in Week One. I do think they have some. Uh, they could pull some magic out of the hat here. They do have some tough teams in their schedule. They play the Bills, Bengals, Ravens, and 49ers. Um, I don't know how they'll fare in those games, but you know they have some easier matchups on paper as well. I would take the light, the Texans lost with a grain of salt for right now because the their other two games they look decent, right? It's like the Bills lost to the Jets, and then look at how they've been. They've been dominant. Now the Bengals, they they're lucky they they needed that win against the Rams on Monday night. It was scary. Um, that they were struggling. Uh, I know Joe Burrow wasn't himself with the injuries he's holding. He really hasn't been himself this whole year. However, they got it done. The Bengals season has life. Now, if you start 0-3, your season's basically over, especially with their upcoming schedule too. Uh, Their next two matchups, they need to both win. They're against the Titans and the Cardinals. Two teams that haven't looked great. But, you know, the Bengals are playing both of them on the road. So you never know. These are games that you must win. You got to win both. I I'm strongly believe it's a firm must win both or their season might be over. Because after that, they go play the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Bills. If you head into the Seahawks, 49ers, and the Bills with a 2-3 and three record, your season's pushing 2-6 and six before you know it, potentially. So they could do it. Take advantage of the Cardinals and the Titans, and we'll talk. For sure. I'm with you. Now, the Jags head to London for two games. They'll be in London for two weeks. Um, You got the Falcons and then the Bills. Having the Bills on a a neutral site, I think, is good for them. Um, I do think they're equal in terms of talent on paper, but the Bills have been better lately, and the Jags have been on a little slump. Um. Yeah, I hope they both bounce back. Uh, we already touched on the Dolphins scoring 70 on the Broncos. I think that as of right now, they're the best team in the NFL or the most exciting team in the NFL for sure. Um, I think it's sustainable as long as everybody's healthy. Tyreek Hill's a monster. Um, do you have any thoughts on that game? Uh, which one? Uh, the Dolphins scoring 70 on the Broncos. Yeah, the um, they, they were three points shy of breaking the NFL record or no, of tying the NHL, the NFL record at 73 points. Do you happen to know who the record is held by? Is it new England? No. Trying to think. I, I, I've seen a handful of 60 burgers. I remember when the bears, of course, gave up 50 in back-to-back weeks to the Patriots and the Packers respectively. Um, no, I have no clue. You really don't know. I have no clue. It was Chicago oh. in 1940. Oh, of course. Um, football were made with actual pigs. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was even the Super Bowl. It was the NFL title game. They beat Washington um, in the NFL title game. They scored 73 points. Um, and the Dolphins had the chance to break that record, but they decided not to do so. They had 70 points with over eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They were on Denver's 23-yard line. 
with over two minutes to go. And they ended up running the ball, running the ball, running the ball on fourth down. Instead of kicking the field goal, they knelt down for the turnover on downs um, when they could have easily kicked the field goal to tie it, or maybe even went for the NFL record. Obviously that was, they decided not to do so. It wasn't really something that Mike McDaniels thought they needed to do, but um, I was surprised to see 70 points. I'm going to be honest with you. Me too. Um, there is a group of people annoyed with the Dolphins for running up the score like that. I don't agree. I think in any game with a clock, you can run up the score because um, you never know what happens in sports. And if there's a clock, you should play. Um, my biggest thing is injuries, though. Once you're up, once – I mean, you figure the most points you could put up in a quarter realistically is 28. If you have a bigger than 28-point lead with a quarter left, like, you're not going to lose. Um, I, I just don't see a team – unless it's, like, four straight fumbles and you run them all into the end zone. I, I just don't see – like, it would have to be, like, some literal witchcraft mm-hmm. to score more than 28 points in a quarter. Um, so, you know, I, I get what the Dolphins were doing personally there. Um, you don't want to get anybody hurt. The, I mean – the Chiefs took out Mahomes and Kelsey after like three plays in the fourth quarter or the third quarter. I mean, uh, they came out because Travis wanted to get his touchdown in front of Taylor. Um, you know, those things weren't happening with Miami. Um, but yeah, Skylar brings up a good point. Wish the Cubs ran up the score yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never know. The White Sox, who are a puny baseball team right now, they're one of the worst teams in the league. They came back from a 9 nothing deficit a couple weeks ago. Any yeah. team in the league in any sport, including the Bears. Because, you know, the Bears are the worst team in the league, and I have no doubt in my mind about that. I would put them against any bad team in NFL history. I really, really would. But the NFL is 32 college football all-star teams. So, you know, you they're all getting paid. They're all at the prime of their athleticism. Um, the Bears are bad relative to other NFL teams, but any team can win at any given time. Um, so, yeah, run up the score if you have to. Mm-hmm. Frank, the Dallas Cowboys were number three on your list last week or two. They were number two for me. Mm-hmm. And they lost. Me. I they, don't even know. they lost to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, what are your thoughts? The Cowboys are the Cowboys, man. They lose games they should win, and they dominate when nobody expects them to. This is the exact reason why I chose the Commanders to make the postseason over them when we did our predictions. Because the Cowboys, they're all—they'll always be frauds. We never, we never, and no one ever comes into the year saying Cowboys are true contenders this year. I think the Cowboys are one of the five elite teams. They're a sleeper this year. No, never. Nobody ever says that. And they, they tend to make the playoffs, get losing with first, second, whatever. Nobody ever mentions them as a threat because they'll always be frauds. This proves that. That's why I still have the commanders getting in over them. Um, they just are never able to put a good team together. And to lose to the Cardinals is an utter disgrace. And I'm sure Jerry Jones has to be irate. Yeah, boys. What can go wrong will go wrong for the Cowboys. I do. They're they're still a good team. The uh, the Cardinals were up twenty eight nothing to the Giants and they blew it. Like they're they're not as bad of a team as I think people say about them right now. Um, but you know 
They're the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. What can go wrong will go wrong. Anyone who thinks the Eagles aren't going to win the AFC East over them is hilarious. And I ranked the Cowboys higher than the Eagles after week two because they deserved to be ranked higher than the Eagles after week two. They will plummet in my rankings up in the next one. They'll still be in my top ten probably. We'll see. But um, Ridiculous. Yeah, they stink. Um, Frank. Go Commanders. Go Commanders. What team in the NFL is good? That is shocking right now. You know, I, I got to be honest. I don't think there really are any. When I look at the standings, everything seems that they would be just about where they were, obviously, except the Bengals and Jaguars, who are one and two. The only shock, I guess, to me would be the Falcons and Buccaneers, who are two and one. But to me, they're not shocking good teams because I don't think they're good teams. And I think that'll get proven over the course of more games in a greater sample size. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, the I don't team think I, there's really any. Well, I was going to name the Buccaneers, um, but another team I'll, I'll throw out there. I every team in the AFC South or the NFC South except for the Panthers, who are zero and three. The Falcons, Saints, and Buccaneers mm-hmm. have all gotten out to a. I thought that was the worst division in the league. It, it, I don't think it is. It might still be. We'll see. But after three weeks, it's not. I think Saints and, end up winning the division. That was my prediction. Yeah, me too. Preseason. So me cool. too. I'm bullish on the uh, Falcons, though. Their run game, Bijan Robinson. He's great. You're gonna help them win a lot of football games. You know who else is good on that team? Running back, Algier. Oh yeah. Well underrated. Nobody mentions him too much. Backup. Gets it done. He's been great. I have him in one of my fantasy leagues. He gets numbers. He gets touches, carries. I agree. Um, their running game's strong. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. All right, Frank. We've had a really long show so far. I think it's time we get to America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. <laughs> Frank, the floor is yours. All right, so I got to say something. Um, so last week going into this, going into this week, I was 52 and 51, okay? I gave three picks, and we went two for three, putting me over 50%. Um, so I knew I wouldn't dip below 50%. And then I'm adding up, just, just for shits and gigs, I decided, like, make sure my math's not off. I want to add up. The wins, so I add up all the wins, right? Comes out to 54. I'm like, all right, yeah, that's exactly what I expected. Uh, I add up all the losses, and it adds up to 54. So I'm back at 50%. So I was off by one loss. So it's good. We're still at 50%, but now we should be good going forward because, you know, when we get over 100 picks, your math slips your mind a little bit. And it just so happens, I was like, I added up all the numbers. Um, you know, you made fun of me in the NFL for being one and three, and now we're five and four. We're rolling in the NFL now, baby. No, I made fun of you because the one was the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the only reason I made fun of you. And we turned that. Sh- we turned it you around. Your bets. We're four and one since in the NFL. That's good. My NFL takes. You know, they could be. I got some. Was heavy- your one loss the Chiefs? 
in week one? No, no, no. I had the Lions and the points. Oh, one. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What was my one loss? Try Wasn't the Chargers this week? Was it the I went Bears to... against the Bucks? No, I didn't touch that game. It was from that week, though, I think. Week one? No, it was from week two when the Bears played the Bucks. But it oh. wasn't that game. It was a game in the – I don't know. But we've been 4-1 and one ever since, and it's been great. Um, I'm going to have a couple football picks. I'm going to start with the MLB, though, because we're getting into crunch time of the MLB. Five games left for the Cubs. Um, everybody's got around, like, five, six games left. Uh, but the game I'm going to focus on is the um, Cincinnati Reds and the Cleveland Guardians. We got Andrew Abbott on the mound for the Reds and Shane Bieber on the mound for the Guardians. You know – Shane Bieber, what a disappointing pitcher he's been this season. Unreal. He's given up four runs in each of his last three starts for a total of 12 runs. He hasn't been the same Shane Bieber that we've seen the last handful of years. With that being said, Guardians dead in the water for playoffs, right? And they come into this game in the spoiler role, which sometimes teams, you know, really take that under their wing and use it for confidence and use it as a boost. But, you know, we have the chance to be the spoiler. But right now the Reds are fighting for their postseason lives. And Abbott, he's been fairly decent. And he had a fairly decent outing in his last meeting this year against the Guardians. He only gave up two runs. Doesn't mind facing this lineup, especially when this game means more for the Reds than it does the, the Guardians. So I'm going to side with the Cincinnati Reds money line at plus 110. I like it. I like it a lot, actually. So that's my first pick. That's my baseball pick. Switching over to Thursday night football. We've been hot in the NFL. Let's hope this that this continues. Great Thursday night game, rivalry game. We got the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. It's going to be a good one to watch. Um, the Packers have been playing better than people have been expecting. They had that tough loss against the, the Falcons. They could be 3-0, and but they had that tough loss against the Falcons. But I really like the Packers to win in this spot at home. If there were if they were a decent favorite at home, I'd probably lead towards the Lions and the points. But just because the Lions are favored on the road, I don't like it. I like the Packers money line at plus one oh two. Getting them at home at plus money is hard to pass up in this type of situation. Like I said, they've been playing pretty good ball. The Lions may be the better team on paper heading into the season, but in a rivalry game, just throw everything out the window, throw everything you know out the window, and I'm going to side with the Green Bay Packers at home. Plus, this team's very optimistic that they'll get uh, Aaron Jones back and Christian Watson back, which will be a huge boost. So jump on this line now. Yeah, I don't know if it changed, but once Watson and uh, Jones are confirmed to be playing, I wouldn't be sh uh, shocked if it becomes a pick em and the, the Packers move to minus money. So I think that's playing in a role when they're confirmed to play, things are going to change. And then I'm going to give out my first college football pick of the season. I'm 0-1 in college football, but I think that went to the, the earlier in the year when uh, last year's season was taking place. I like this Friday night football game. We got number 10 Utah and number 19 Oregon State. That's a great Friday night game, primetime game. I think this Oregon State team's a lot better than their number 19 ranking suggests. DJ, the quarterback for Oregon State, transferred from Clemson to Oregon, Oregon State to become the starting quarterback, and they have looked great ever since, really. He's been great, very productive. This Oregon State team has been way more productive than this Utah State team, and at Oregon State on primetime on a Friday night, the crowd's going to be loud. All eyes are going to be on this game. It's going to be hard for Utah to beat them. 
You know, Utah's four and zero, and Oregon's uh, state uh, is three and one, and they've definitely played the better quality teams, and you know, only have one loss. All all signs point to the Beavers to take this one at home, so I'm going to side with the Oregon State Beavers money line at minus one sixty six. Little hefty uh, line there, but I don't know. I like this game a lot. DJ's been great. Oregon State money line. Let's let's get above fifty percent. Are you scared to say DJ's last name? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to butcher it. It's Ugalele. Yeah, I don't want to. Ugalele. It's... it's pretty easy. It's easier said than more like it looks. DJ well, Ugalele. That's why you're here. Um, the only, <laughs> you might remember during the 2020 college football season, the one that was kind of wonky because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a game. It was in like November, maybe or October. Um, Trevor Lawrence got COVID mm-hmm. and you know, when you got COVID in September of 2020, stop the presses, um, DJ Ugalele played for Clemson in that game against Notre Dame and Notre Dame beat them in overtime. Mm-hmm. And then in the college football playoff, um, Notre Dame lost to Clemson with Trevor Lawrence under center in the playoff mm-hmm. and they ended up. Losing in the championship? No, I'm wrong. They didn't lose in the playoff. It was the AC, ACC championship game. Because for that COVID season, Notre Dame joined the ACC. They weren't okay. independent for that one season. Gotcha. Yeah, that's how I know all about DJ. DJ kind of stunk with the he was terrible last Clemson. year. Yeah. But he, he looks great as a beaver, so. You know, in the West Coast offense, sometimes quarterbacks get a little bit of a boost. So I'm excited for this game. Yeah, absolutely. So am I. All right, Frank, what a show. That was a good show. What a show. I mean, we burned an hour and a half uh, talking about the NHL Central Division. If you missed it, go back, listen to it, Apple, Spotify, all of it. Um, Very excited about this program and what we got going. The hockey season is upon us, and I cannot wait. We are so close yet so far. Um, not really so far, honestly. It doesn't even feel right to say that anymore because we are close. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited for all this stuff. Programming note, Crosstown Crosstalk is going to be Friday oh. at 2 p.m. No, you can leave it up, though, because people are used to it being on Thursday. It will be Friday of this week due to a personal matter on my part. But, um, yeah, I am looking forward to doing that. We'll be talking about the Cubs and their playoff race and the White Sox being dead and not giving any help to any – National League wildcard team that needed them to beat the Diamondbacks. Um, I'm sure Cubs, Marlins, and Reds fans are absolutely furious with the White Sox right now, as they should be. Um, To them, I say you should have won more games earlier in the year. Um, Very much excited for all that. And, Frank, next week we'll preview the Metropolitan Division. Then we'll be be ready for the season after that. We got through the summer, man. We got through the summer. It's that time of the year, VP. Hockey season. Sure is. Fifth season. Sure is. Absolutely. And make sure you go to apptrigger.com to read Frankie's articles on video games. Of course, all of my articles can be found on the various sites I write for. There are too many to name, honestly, at this point. (laughs) I'm about to go on a rampage and write about that White Sox loss to the Diamondbacks. And then I'll have something on Patrick Kane's injury update. And I'll have something on the Damian Lillard trade all within the next hour. And then a little birdie's telling me that a Mikhail Backlund um, press conference is about to begin 
that is going to announce his contract extension. So breaking news at the end of Bardown, uh, Mikhail Backlund's contract extension is upon us. Let me see if I could pull a number really quick before we go. Um, he is getting two years at $4.5 million. That's cheap. Yeah. I think he took a pay cut to stay yeah. for two years. Backlund is a very good player. Um, but thank you to everybody for watching. Frank, thank you to you. I hope you had as much fun doing the show as I did. And to all the people watching in the chat, Caitlin, Skokes, Tom, Skyler, we love you. Joe Mandel, Michael Parisi, who called me during the show. Like, dude, you know <laughs> um, I hope everybody has a good day. And as always, thank you for listening.